welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Call-In. This is episode number seven, and the title is Tucker Carlson and Chris Smalls. Amazon union organizer Chris Smalls is receiving backlash from some leftists after appearing on Tucker Carlson's show. Should the left converse with people on the right? What are your thoughts? So uh, I'm going to open this up to people listening. Feel free to call in. I, for one, have been pretty vocal about people on the left conversating with people on the right. And I think that this is something we've talked about openly on RBN as well. In order to get our message across to more people, we're going to have to talk to people that are not necessarily on the left. So one of the things that I have noticed, particularly with Bernie Sanders' uh, 2020 campaign, is that the left is actually very small. And so that being said, we don't really have a lot of leftists in this country. America is a conservative country. And that being said, I don't think we're as large as we think we are. And I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Um, If you look at electoralism per se, one of the things that I've noticed is that there are a lot more conservatives, there are a lot more liberals than there are leftists. And I think that, I think we need like a, a reality check here. And one of the things that I've heard from people before is that we shouldn't talk to people on the right because then that means we're part of a red-brown alliance. Uh, I don't ascribe to that. I don't think that's a real thing. And to me, I feel like that's a CIA talking point, to be honest with you. I think we need to talk to as many people as possible. But the question that I have for all of you, if you have not had the chance to see it, uh, Chris Smalls went on to Tucker Carlson's show to talk about his unionizing efforts with Amazon, of course, also the subject of AOC uh, ghosting them before and then trying to take credit at the end. That came up as well. But I want to open this up to callers. I want to get your opinion about this. How do you feel about leftists per se going on to shows like Tucker Carlson's show? And do you think that this is a good thing, bad thing? I'm going to go ahead and take the first caller, which is Eric. You're on the mic. Hi, Sabi, can you hear me? I think your volume's really low, Eric. Oh. Uh, can you hear me now? I can I can hear you very faintly. Your your volume's just really, really low. I don't know how to hold on. Uh I'm not sure if you're using headphones or not, but we can like barely hear you. Yeah, everybody's saying my volume sounds fine from here. Um, so Eric T. Red said your volume sounds okay. Yeah, I can like barely hear you. Um, let's see, is Eric T. Red here? Let me make you, um, you guys said he sounds fine. That's weird that I can't really hear him though. Interesting. Give me just one second. Okay, say something, Eric. Uh, can you hear me? 
very, very low. Um, that's weird. Um, let me check the messages really quick. Hold on one second. Uh, he sounds fine. He sounds fine. Eric, I'm going to make you a um, a speaker, and let me see if that makes a difference. Okay. Can you turn up the volume on your headphones? My headphone volume is turned all the way up, so it's it's not the headphones. Plus, I tested it earlier today. Let's see. Let's see what happens when I take the headphones out. Give me just a second. Give me just a second. Okay, go ahead and say something, Eric. Uh, is it better now? Okay, can you go ahead and speak? Yeah, is it better now? Yeah, that's very strange. It it definitely wasn't the headphones. The volume on the phone is all the way up. It's not the phone. The hell? One second, Eric. The f- Okay, go ahead and speak, Eric. Uh, do I sound okay? I can hear you now. Am I oh, too okay. loud? Let me know. No, you're fine. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Okay. So of course the left of course the left should converse with the right. Um it does depend on what the conversation is about though. Um as long as as long as it's about policy-oriented stuff and we're not going into culture war craziness, I don't have an issue with it. Just basically keep it on level. Uh, keep it keep it on things that matter to everyday people. Keep it along class lines, etc. And and yeah, that's that's really it. Really shouldn't be a problem. Like I said, there's not really that many people on the on the left. So there shouldn't be an issue with that. I mean, I'm in Florida. That'd be crazy if I didn't have a conversation with anybody on the right. Well, let's talk about that just for a second, because I'm glad that you brought that up, because that's another thing that I have noticed. Uh, me, for one, I've lived in red states. I've lived in blue states. So obviously I live in a blue state now. But I've also lived in South Carolina. I lived in North Carolina before uh, Obama in 08, when when North Carolina was pretty much solid red for the most part. And I think this is something that people don't tend to understand. And that's that Eric said my volume is low. What? Can can you guys hear me okay? Eric, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. I can hear you. It's 
it's kind of on the low end, but it's not it's not too low. That's that's really weird. It shouldn't be low at all. Um, hold on. Like the volume is turned all the way up. Um, how about now? Yeah, I I can hear you. Okay, you can hear me okay now? Yeah, it's better. Okay, I think I know what I did. Okay. Um yeah, so I guess for my friends who have never lived in a red state, like I'm sorry, but those of us that have lived in red states, we have to talk to people on the right. Like we have to talk to people that may not agree with us politically. Like I can't imagine one job I've had or one class I've taken where everybody in the classroom or everybody at at my work <laughs> were leftists. In fact, most of them were not. And I was usually the minority when it came to leftists, especially down South. So I think that's something that people need to understand. Like, and you talk about people like Nick from RBN, for example, this is something Nick has brought up multiple times. Like he lives in Missouri. He has to talk to people on the right. He can't just talk to people that are on the left or talk to people that are liberals. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it seems like from my experience, I tend to have an easier time talking to people that are conservative about these issues than I've had talking to people who are liberals about these issues. And I don't know why that is, but for whatever reason, it's like, it seems like it's harder for me to even get my point across to people that are liberals, like the vote blue, no matter who crowd, for example, right? They just, is like, they only want to watch CNN. They only want to watch MSNBC. And even like trying to tell them about independent media, they just don't want to hear it. Like these are the people that think that Joe Biden is doing a good job, regardless of what's happening right now and any kind of policies that he's let go by, they will still like advocate for him because he's not Donald Trump. So I've actually had a more difficult time trying to have these conversations with people who are liberals than I have with people that are conservative. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Trump broke a lot of people's brains. Like I, I, I don't I don't know why. I mean, our system is going to produce him anyway. Like what him and him and Biden are two sides of the same coin. Our, I don't know why anybody would be, you know, thrown off by a by a Trump or just shocked by him. But like I said, you can't just be in this. Uh, silo and pretend like p- issues that you care about somehow magically people on the right don't care about some of them. Like, I know the whole issue with the Medi- Medicare for all marches, I'm like, you have people on the right and the left there too. So yep. there is overlap. So why why would that be an issue to even have a conversation if it's on the policy lines, if it's on um, whatever, like actual issues, and uh, and it's it's just so it's so weird that like we're playing this red blue game over having a conversation. That's really mm-hmm. it's really strange. Like, just talk to people. Don't don't be a don't sound like a fucking robot. Right. <laughs> it, this right, this should yeah. be, this should be ba- this should be basic stuff, but again, we have to actually tell people this. Mm-hmm. 
No, I hear you. Well, Eric, thanks for calling in. I want to go ahead and get to the next caller. All right. I appreciate it, Zeb. All righty. Okay. So I'm going to take the next caller and this is Rudy. So Rudy, you are on the mic. Hey, how are you doing, Savvy? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Excited to call in. I've been uh, watching your show for a minute. Oh, thank you. I hope I haven't scared you off. <laughs> no, no, I swear. I swear you, you, your show is nice. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Jamal Tom- Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sort of gives me that kind of vibe, you know, um, you, it's, it's really informative and it's really substantive. It's got a lot of substance. Um, and you're talking about like the things that really matter and uh, like your focus on and you know your 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 focus on the legit stuff not on the um the noise so i really appreciate that um i think obviously this is, this is a good question to pose right um i think obviously we have to talk to people on the right i find that i agree with i can stand right wingers more than i can stand um you know like i can i can stand trump right wingers more than i can stand hillary clinton right wingers it there's less hypocrisy it seems or i can like maybe contain their hypocrisy somewhere and it's just better to deal with it than the liberal right wingers personally Interesting. How do you feel about uh, Chris Mall's Amazon union organizer going on to Tucker Carlson's show? Um, you know, I I actually saw not directly from like Fox. I saw um, this on the Sam Cedar show, I think. Oh, yeah, it was Emily. No, Emma, they were talking about it. And then she was talking about how Tucker was trying to bait him into basically shitting on um, AOC and then he didn't. And I thought actually he did a good job of just like sort of not giving Tucker what he wanted. And I guess allowing, giving AOC some sort of golden bridge or maybe not getting us distracted in some stuff. I think, I mean, he's shown to be a pretty, he's a good leader. And I think that's um that's a good sort of decision to make to go out there and, you know, point out that, now all the like no politician really helped and that they did it and that, you know, that actually shows that the answer is them. It just would be nice to have somebody on the inside. And it's too bad that the um, the that the squad, I mean, I don't know that we should even call them the squad because I think it was Jayapal that said that they vote as individuals and somehow, you know, the goals of, her local citizens are, I guess, different from, you know, the national citizen. Right, right. And also, Corey Bush mentioned that as well. She said, we vote as individuals. We vote for our districts. Um, but yeah, I mean, all good points, Rudy. Uh, thanks so much for calling. I'm going to get to the next caller. Yeah, so thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Good. Bye. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller, and this is K-Study QB is in the house. 
What's going on, Case? Uh-oh. He dropped off. I don't know what happened. Let me see if I can make him a speaker. All right, Case, I invited you to speak. Let me go ahead and try this again. Okay, I just made you the next hey. caller. Sorry, that was my fault. I think I, I, I think I left the, the room or something. Anyway, um, and I'm changing trains, so don't mind me. But um, thank you so much for having me on. What's going on, Saps? Good to hear from you. Um, I think most people, I think everybody here, and I'll be curious if there's somebody who does does agree with the neoliberals that say that um, what's in um, that Chris Smalls should not have gone on Fox. If anybody's, I'm looking forward to hearing that argument if there's anyone here. But I think an argument for us SAVs on um, on our side of the ecosystem, the left ecosystem, is should Chris Smalls have used that platform? Should he have kind of taken the bait to call out AOC and the squad members and the other you know, people that should be our allies and uh, more? And uh, I, I'm not going to say, if, if you don't mind me asking you that question, I, I want to hold my uh, opinion because I don't want to lead the witness or, or lead you <laughs> into my opinion. Um, so can I pose that question to you, Saps? I think that we need to use as many uh, platforms as possible, as many as we can. And here's the thing about Tucker Carlson's show, right? So... Five million people watch his show. It's the most watched news network in the United States. So when we talk about like holding politicians accountable, right? What better way to do that? Because they're obviously, they're not listening to us on independent media. A lot of them don't even go onto independent media anymore. Like to, to be real. Okay. So why not use that platform to get their attention and to wake them up? Because the reality is, I saw Chris Smalls on Mehdi Hassan's show. I saw him on uh, Professor Wolf's podcast. Other than that, and Tucker Carlson's show, I haven't really seen many liberal. For example, why wasn't Chris Smalls brought on Don Lemon's show? Why wasn't he brought on Anderson Cooper's show? Why wasn't he brought on Rachel Maddow's show? So it's like, this is the thing that kills me. People get upset when leftists or liberals go on to Fox News or Tucker Carlson's show, but they fail to to see that these other liberal media outlets are not inviting them on. This is why you never see, like people said this a lot about Jimmy Dore, right? This is why you never see Jimmy Dore on CNN or you don't see him on MSNBC. Same thing can be said for other people like in this space. So it's like, People don't feel like he should have gone on that platform because of Tucker Carlson's rhetoric that he's had. Now, Tucker Carlson, when it comes to war, I think he's really good on war because he's anti-war and I'm anti-war. But I don't agree with Tucker Carlson on most of the things that he discussed on his show. That being said, I think if you really want to hold politicians accountable and if you want to hold companies like Amazon accountable, I don't think you should turn down going on to the largest news network in the country. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree um, with you that I think you should go wherever you can go. And um, I was just looking up the name of um, a person that his name was David. 
uh, I just had to switch streams, so I put my laptop away. But basically, he was a guy that he made it like made basically his life mission to convert KKK members over to give up their robes. And this, sorry about that. This is how I see that. I see that as um, Chris Moore's doing the good work of going over to the right to try to convince them to be for unions. You know, I don't think that. Um, Tucker Carlson would have ever uttered the words, you know, hey, I, I usually don't support unions, but I support what you're doing. You know, that that extra step of I support your what you're doing. Now he, he's going to basically convert a whole bunch of um, Tucker Carlson's, you know, people who are very influenced by Tucker Carlson. They're automatically going to either now support unions or they're going to be more open to supporting union. Now you're softening, softening up people all across the country, all across the world who are on the right and where you're trying to get more unions to be formed in other Amazon warehouses, you just made your life easier, (laughs) you know, because you want to go out there. He was signing cards and signing, petitioning um, employees to say, hey, um, do you want to start a union? Now you just made, I don't know what percentage that is, but you just made your job a whole lot easier. But the the question I want to pose is that should he have um, going after AOC and the squad harder? What do you think? Oh, man, Case. (laughs) Mm. Um, Okay, so I think that Chris Malls took the high road there by not, you know, trying to point the finger too much, but at the same time acknowledging the fact that, yeah, they they messed up here. Like AOC said that she was going to be there and she didn't show up. Um, So I think... He he did it in a safe way. If it were me, I would have gone after them harder. But that's me. I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the difference. Is yeah. like, I mean, you know how yeah. I am. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat things for people. I'm a straight mm-hmm. shooter. So for me, I would have gone after them harder. And at the same time, and I know, like, see how people are attacking Chris Malls right now all over Twitter. Yeah. And he didn't even yeah. say this in a harsh way. Like, I felt like he said it as calmly and, and, and as nicely as he could have in a professional manner. Yes. Whereas, and people are heavily attacking him on Twitter. Imagine how people would have come after me if I would have been on there and I would have said, uh, yeah, so here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She was wrong. She was wrong, you know, and I think that Chris Malls was mindful of that because I think he realizes, you know, I'm going on Tucker Carlson's show that that subject is probably going to come up. But at the same time, I want to be careful about how I address it because I don't want people to come after me and say, oh, I'm trying to cater to right wingers per se. So I think professionally, I think he did the right thing. Uh, Me, on the other hand, I would have come after them a lot harder. In fact, I wouldn't have just mentioned them, you know, ghosting that Amazon event that they said they were going to be at. I would have mentioned all that would have been a perfect opportunity for me to mention all these other policies that they ran. They campaigned on that they decided Mm. not to fight for. I would have called all of it out. I would have said, why weren't they present at the marches for Medicare for all? Why didn't they even try to tweet about it? Why? Where's the whole, you know, why are we trying to cancel student loan debt? Why are they ignoring independent media? I would have called them out on all of that. This is one of the ways that you can try to hold them accountable because this whole idea that we just need to get Nina Turner in and that's just going to fix everything. I don't believe that. I honestly don't believe that. I think that the money is still going to be a problem. I don't think that the progressives 
are really going to have the opportunity to really fight for progressive issues because the party, again, is controlled by Wall Street. And I think more people need to address that. That's what's at play here. And I I showed people not last night, but Thursday night on my show, I showed people receipts of Pramila Jayapal. She's taking corrupt money. So it's like, why why is Pramila Jayapal taking direct payments from George Soros if you're supposed to be progressive? So I had a whole list of things that I would have called out on Tucker Carlson's <laughs> show. So they would never, never, never want to have me. Oh, God, you can imagine the criticism I would no. get. It would be yeah. uh, pretty bad. You probably would become a, a regular on Tucker because he he likes that. Matter of fact, I was listening to um, Kyle Kalinske's on, on his channel. He had dinner with um, Chris Malls um, or lunch with uh, Crystal Ball and Kyle had lunch with um, – Chris Malls. I think it was after he did that hit, the Fox News hit, and uh, inside he said a little inside game. Chris Malls said that he didn't want to talk about um, AOC, or he was not expecting to have to talk about AOC, and um, you know to criticize her, her, her and he was kind of ambushed by Tucker Carlson and tried and baited and tried to be baited into talking bad about her. Now, my personal opinion. Is I'm I'm pretty much really close to what you're what you're saying, but I I think about this this inside outside strategy, right? And I think at this point, Chris Smalls, he's on that. There's the outside strategy, then there's the inside outside, and then there's the outside. So me, you, we're on the outside, so we can afford to really go out there and throw bombs, you know, go hard at the squad and really hold them accountable. Where Chris Smalls, he's more on the inside outside because he. He potentially might have to deal with the AOC. He potentially might have to deal with squad members or maybe even hopefully one day Biden or whoever becomes president has to directly communicate with Chris Smalls about how to um, grow. Because, you know, the Democrats pander to unions. So at some point, hopefully they'll at least try to talk to him. The question is, would he get, um, you know, big eyed by talking to the president or talking to the chief of staff, Ron um, Klein? And, and that's how they co-op a lot of um, progressives and, and people who start off as um, on more on the radical side. They get co-opted once they get invited to the White House. They get invited to those parties. They get invited to talk to these special people. And now you can go to your mom and say, oh, mom, I talked to the president of the United States. And you like that feeling and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he, I think he did a pitch-perfect job of kind of criticizing AOC a little bit, but then making the broader um, criticism that, hey, we didn't get a lot of support from a lot of Democrats. So, yeah, that's my opinion. And I I know you got other cues, but if you don't mind, I'll stay on the um, stage and chime in every so often until I get to work, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. No problem. Um, That's interesting, though, that coming from Crystal and Kyle, because they criticized AOC, too. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, they Mm -hmm. can't really... I mean, you can't you can't really. This is the thing. Like, it is what it is. AOC was in the wrong. And I think at the end of the day, I think some people want to push back on them a little bit, but they still want to tell you to go and vote for them and donate to them. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. people are are still trying to play that middle game. And I'm past that, I think, for me. So, yeah, 100 percent. I was starting to think that maybe there should be some kind of mechanism that when they do something we like, that's when we all kind of crowdfund and give a dollar or something like if you if a thousand of a hundred thousand people gave a dollar for example when they forced the vote now they just raised a hundred thousand for forcing the vote 
but I don't know if, you know, we already got bribery, you know, um, legalized bribery. I don't know how close that will come to an outright bribery if we're saying, hey, we will all crowdfund a million dollars if you force the vote. What, what do you think? Well, well, it's interesting you brought that up because Jimmy Dore said this on his live stream last night that after force the vote, he asked Kyle Kalinske, so what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to hold them accountable? And Jimmy Dore said Kyle's response was, we're not going to do anything. Really? And Jimmy was like, we're not going to hold them accountable. And he said, yeah, go watch his stream from last night. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he said he asked Kyle again, we're not going to hold them accountable. And he said, Kyle said, no, we're not. Oh, wow. You see what I'm saying? So see, more things are coming out as time has gone by. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think people like, like Crystal and Kyle, they may push back on them a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're not really trying to hold them accountable. Yeah. We we have to find a way to, to hold them accountable. I don't know just yet, but we got to figure out something because look at Kristen Cinema, who's, she's going to be in office, I think, or another four years. And like right out the gate, she we thought she was on the left and she's like, oh, nope, tricked you. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if we need yep. a stronger recall mechanism or something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Agreed. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller. Jacob, you are the next caller. Just got to unmute. Hey, Sabby. Hey, how are you? Hey, so I was just listening to the case. Um, made a lot of good points. Oh, my gosh. I, I agree with a lot of it. Um, it's just. Thanks. Are you still on there? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, I just heard Case say, "Yeah." Yeah, I said thanks. <laughs> I just want to say thank you. What's up, man? Uh, how you doing, Jacob? Much love to you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing good, man. Um, yeah, I think it's much more of a class thing than left or right. 100%. I just think it's crazy we're still talking about right and left when, when we're talking about poor and rich because you got far mm-hmm. right uh, you got far right in the top, far left at the top you got far right at the bottom, far left at the bottom, so what are we still talking about left and right you know, it's just a matter of the poor and the rich so man. I, I've been labeled yeah, this a- I've been leveled, labeled left and right you know, based on my positions. Um, I think a lot of people, especially at the bottom, I mean, goddamn, I'm homeless. Especially at the bottom, you're labeled left and right, regardless of anything. Like, you say one thing, you're left. You say another thing, you're right. So, what the fuck? You know? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Like, I focus a lot, like, on the class issue and the class divide in particular, because at the end of the day, if you're poor, it doesn't really matter if you're on the right or the left. <laughs> yeah, it's you're an extremist. Like- yeah, you're an extremist if you're if you're ethno-European. Like I barely qualify for it because I got like one sixteenth uh, Native American, so I barely qualify for the ethno-European. But like I qualified it enough with my background as well um, that if one person were to say were to look at my background, they'd say, well. This guy's a far rightist, uh, you know, and another person look at me and I say, hey, you know, I'm for socialism. They say, well, I'm a leftist. So this left right stuff is just old to me. Like, it's just nonsense, really. And as far as like I've been looking at Amazon Union Organizer, like I don't look at this news. I just get it from you, as you know, Um, Chris Smalls. 
I, I grew up with the Chris. Uh, was it Chris? Uh, Chris something. Well, I thought I thought that it was it was that guy. I'm like, oh, this guy I grew up with is is doing this now, but it's a different name. Um, receiving backlash from leftist uh, Tucker Carlson. I know Tucker Carlson. Uh, his show. You know, Tucker Carlson. Carlson. A lot of what he talks about is way is more to the left as far as what you're talking about than than a lot of the CNN stuff, you know. So it's like, what is he? What is even the definition of left and right anymore? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. No, it's true. I just think I think if more people start to focus on the money, because this is what I want people to understand: people who are rich, whether they're on the left or the right. Wealthy people protect wealthy interest. They're yeah, exactly. going to protect capital. <laughs> They're going to protect like corporations it's for the most part. Now, don't it's not left rightism. It's capitalism. Right. It's not. Le- exactly. It's not left rightism. It's capitalism. So, so I'm anti-capitalist, anti-patriarchy, which in in most people's eyes would make me a far leftist, right? But then I'm also pro-national, uh, and even in many ways pro-socialism. So then that makes me a national socialist. So then uh, combined with my swat, my swastikas, as you can see on there, then that makes me a fucking far right national socialist, uh, just racist Nazi piece of shit, fucking worthless, blah, blah, blah. So like I'm, I'm at the point where it just like, I'm so glad that I'm, uh, uh, I'm impoverished because I don't have to fucking say nothing to anybody. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. So it's like I can have my views and I don't have anything like I could just I could just be free. So that's the great thing about being like in my position is I don't I don't I, I'm not I'm not obliged to any any sort of uh anything. So I can just be my my open self. But like for God I would, I, re- I really wish I wouldn't called in. I, I'm a little bit messed up, but like I, I t- you know, this left right stuff is just bullshit to me. And and I and I think that, I think as soon as we get past that, as soon as we stop thinking about democracy, and, and trying to get the vote, and instead start thinking about collectivism, and in, as in so far as our people getting together and putting our resources together and just doing our own thing, I think that would be the best thing for what we're what we're trying to do, because we can get land, we can start growing resources, and we can start just say fuck all this identity politics and just start doing our own thing, you know. So like, yep. like it, it's it's really just politics just keeps us holds us down, and it's supposed to be there to hold us down it's not it's not there to 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 give us a fucking platform and it never was and and if i'm honest right now i'm against democracy because democracy is a majority rules thing it's a white colonist thing you know the 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 people who created democracy were the people who came in as a majority took over the native americans and said we're the majority now and we're democracy i'm a hundred percent against democracy uh, I mean, if you look at a true democracy, look at Israel. You know, it's a true democracy. It's a majority there in Palestine oppressing a minority of the natives. I fuck democracy. I fucking hate democracy. I, I, I like the idea of a consensus. If if there's a, a people who want to secede and want to have their own sovereign uh, state, you know, that should be their own right. They shouldn't have to vote against the majority to have that. 
Interesting. Interesting. Um, Jacob, thanks so much for calling in. Yeah. And, and check out my one earth nation. I, I sent you a, a thing. One earth nation, uh, on your thing. Um, I, I sent like copy paste of the website, but check it out. If you want to check out my, my views on that further, cause I know it's a little bit extreme or whatever radical, but like democracy is it, like, we're, we're told over and over democracy is the answer. It's not, we, we just need to do our own thing and, and say, we, we don't, we don't need a majority vote of anything. We need to just do our own thing. Like why, why can't we just be a minority doing our own thing? I mean, we're sovereign beings. Like, why do we need to outvote somebody? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Good points. Good points. Much love. I love you. All right. Thanks so much, Jacob. Bye. Bye. Okay, MJ, I am making you the next caller. Just got to unmute. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, how's it going, Savvy? Going great. What's your take on all of this? Yeah. So um, when it comes to the Tucker Carlson thing, I mean, I think it's I mean, I think it was a good idea getting out there. Like some of the callers mentioned before, Christian Smalls did a good job on deflecting what Tucker was trying to get at. You know, he pretty much said like a lot of the politicians didn't show up. It wasn't just AOC. So I thought that was really good. Um, And like to further go on this point, um, A lot, some of the callers mentioned, you know, like it's about class, you know, and, you know, the class, I mean, it is class reductionist. It's the working class versus the ruling class. And I mean, at least this is what I think. I think if the working class actually bands together, we can break down any kind of social barriers that might be stopping people and kind of break down this tribalism. There's so much tribalism going on. One party doesn't want to talk to this party, you know. You know, Christian Smalls can't even go on Tucker Carlson. He's not showing up on the neoliberal um, news network. So it's like there's no consistency. And so I, I really think, you know, it needs to be a working class versus a ruling class. I've been trying to plant these seeds when I go on social media and telling people, like, try to vote third party. I'm really hoping more Democrats vote green and independent and more Republicans vote independent and libertarian. I mean, it'd be nice if we all were on the same page, but I'm just trying to plant these seeds of the third party vote. And we really need to call out the corruption. I mean, I, I can barely tell these parties apart. I mean, I've I'm not I, I, I like identity politics f- for a little bit, but I'm not making it the big focus. And once you strip that away, I mean, you just see that it's like the same party. <laughs> I mean, what are what have the Democrats done? I'm calling them the do the do nothing Democrats. I haven't seen anything coming from them. Um, you know, I might not agree with Jimmy Dore on everything, but man, we got to force the vote. We got to force the vote on everything. We got to put these politicians on the record saying, nope, I didn't vote for this. Nope, I didn't support this and call them out. And in the end, we're going to be able to call out both parties, the both uh, major controlling political parties. Um, and then some of the points about collectivism, unions, Christian Smalls, he, he proves it. If you can unionize against Amazon, man, anything is possible. So hopefully, you know, the workers collectively bargain and unionize. If we saw Walmart unionize, man, that would be amazing. But those are some of my thoughts. Thank you. Hey, can I jump in real no, quick? No, Sabrina, can I jump in? Sure, go um, ahead, Case. Thank you. MJ, before you jump off, um, I really like that framing. You said to do nothing Democrats. That sounds like, you know, back in the day they had to do 
I think do nothing Republicans. I think that's a historic kind of saying. And I think it's a powerful framing as well. The only thing, and I'm curious your opinion, they, the only thing is they would say, oh, we got the bipartisan infrastructure pass, which we know that it was a corporate giveaway that they're going to be privatizing public um, you know, roads and public um, things as well as building roads as well. So that, what, what would you say, how can we um, get around that when they say, oh, we're not doing nothing, Democrats, we passed the bipartisan bill? Yeah, so so that's a good point. Um, I, I don't know if I have like a, a direct answer to that, but I do want to make a point about some of these bills that it seems that they just they're huge bills with like hundreds and hundreds of pages with a lot of different information and, and laws that might not even have to do with the same thing. So I think we need to like cut down these these huge bills into smaller bite sized chunks that, you know, are very direct and to the point. Um, so I think one of the issues is that, you know, they might have passed this huge bill. But like you mentioned, there there would have been all these giveaways to the corporation. So, you know, it's like I feel like we need to break up these bills into, like I said, like kind of like these bite sized chunks, um, you know, get direct straight to the point and start passing those. And I would say um, uh, force the vote on each of these and get people on the record. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we could call them do nothing for the people, Democrats, because they're not doing the direct, you know, um, forgiving student loan debt, Medicare for all, all the things that was in the quote unquote human infrastructure. But that, that might be a mouthful. That's why I was curious if there's a, um, a easier way to frame it than that. But like do nothing for the people, Democrats, if we were out there calling them out, if that was a way that neoliberals could be like, oh, you know what? They have a they have a point because that's the people we're trying to reach across the aisle, like the neoliberals or even Republicans, populists, that they could, um, we could hold these guys accountable. Yeah. Make a, a quick point. Um, when it comes to donating to Democrats, I, I'm not doing that. I am so over that. <laughs> I think uh, Savvy made a point like, you know, if we get Nina Turner in office, that's not going to change the game. <laughs> that's, that's one person. And who knows how loyal she is to progressive policy. So, I don't know. It, it's a tough call. I'm, I'm not. I'm not donating to the Democrats. Yeah. Um, somebody sent me. Someone sent something in the chat. Uh, Rowdy. Give me just a second. It is from Rowdy Rod. Sappy, can you react to? Brianna Joy Gray versus Kim Iverson debate on progressives. I thought it was good and important. Case, are you familiar with this? Um, no, I, I'm not actually. I wonder if that just got released. But I, I'll definitely look out. I got to look out for it because I'm interested. That sounds interesting. Yeah. If anyone, um, whoever is calling in. If you want to, if you've seen that and you want to chime in, you know, let me know, feel free to let me know what was said. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next caller, which is, uh, Reggie, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. You might have to hit the, um, mute button a couple times, Reggie.
There you go. Oh, and you're gone. I don't know what happened. Let's see if I can make you. Reggie, I'm going to invite you to speak. I think that's a um, a glitch with the app. Give it one more time. I'll invite you to speak and you should be able to chime on in. Okay, try it one more time. Just go ahead. Hey, and can, you, can you hear me now? Okay. I can. Yeah, it seems like that seems like that changes a little bit. Well, the thing that really concerns me, and I think it's indicative of what's going on, is there's a lot of leaning, particularly on the corporate left or uh, many pundits on the left, to not have any of us speak with people on the other side. And I think that's uh, probably the reason for it, and it seems to make sense to me, is they don't want us comparing notes to find out that we're the things that we have in common that we're looking to try to get taken care of are not the things that we're being told are important. The things that are important is that uh, we try to do well and that we actually get things for the people and that we get things like Medicare for all, free college. We try to make the country actually greater. It seems that uh, particularly on the what's gone on in the Democratic Party, since there are not representing any more uh, causes for the working class, they're embracing identity politics meant to keep us apart, things that don't cost their corporations anything, things that keep us stirred up. They're, they keep on telling us the others are deplorable. You don't want to talk to them like you're going to get tainted or something. Well, one of the things about this is many of us were not necessarily straight Democrats. We were populists. We were progressives. We we embraced the ideas and the thoughts of trying to make the world a better place and more fair without getting off on tangents on things that mean less. You know, if the middle class and all of us who work for a living, let's be honest, if you work 40 hours a week, no matter what you're doing, you really do sweat labor, you should be able to get ahead in life. You should be able to have medical care. You ought to be able to have a better living. If you work harder, you ought to have better. You should be able to ultimately be able to buy a house or be able to have some place you can stay. But that's not what they're talking about. Anytime it comes up for anything like that, even though all of these type of uh, causes are extremely popular with both the left and what they call the right. And in many cases, it's like one of the earlier callers said earlier, is that there is less of a left and right. You know, this is a little you know, identity game they play with. All these people get along when they're on top pretty well together. And uh, so what they do is they focus on the little things to try to keep us all separated and to keep us worrying about things. And one of the big fears that they have is that we'll actually start talking to each other and realize, you know, a lot of these other small, you know, causes that they want us to think are the most important things are not the most important things. In many cases, they're for their personal family choices, community choices. And in most cases, 
you know, they spend more time trying to fan the flames about things that really shouldn't mean that much. That should be personal and private decisions while ignoring the big decisions that we're all doing less, you know, less well. Our children have a poorer life than what many of us had earlier. And that that's the direction things are going. Where at the top, you know, the, the funny thing is our society now is as a whole richer than they ever been with modernization, advanced electronics, robotics, everything else. There's more money being made even above inflation than anything else. It's just the distribution. The distribution is all being funneled up to the top. And essentially everybody down below is doing much worse. Now, I'm in the boomer generation, and I'm not doing pretty well myself, but that's not because, well, part of it is because I was lucky enough to be born in a generation where our parents actually handed us a better world where we could make make a better living for ourselves, but that's not what we have now. It's being stacked against us, and unfortunately, I feel many people in my generation have sold the future and dump the bill on our kids and the life ahead. And many of the people in the older generations tried to pretend it like it was how when we were young. And so the big thing, and it goes back to the same thing that, you know, I said this before, and I know many other ones here say the same thing. This is a class issue. It's not a, uh, a Democrat, not a Republican, because they're all, you know, all these people speaking from their side of the things that are supposedly the big shots are all of a class that they consider that we don't matter and they matter for everything. Yeah. And, uh, and we need to get together and we need to start comparing the things that are important. And if we work on them, our lives will be better and let the small things fall off to the side and we can deal with them at a, at a level where it's not near as important. That's okay. a, those are all so really good points. Um, yeah, those are all really good points, Reggie. One thing I want to mention, I want to um, add on to something that you were saying about us agreeing on some of the same issues. One of the things that I did notice when Bernie was running in 2020 and I was talking to people about Bernie Sanders, most people that I spoke to agreed that we should have universal health care in this country. And that included conservatives. However, if you paid attention to mainstream media, both the liberal media and conservative media smeared Medicare for all. That includes Don Lemon. That includes Rachel Maddow. That includes oh, yeah. Morning Joe on MSNBC and Fox News. Both of them. Now, why would they do that? Because both of those networks, they're corporate. And I, this is a segment I did on my show. People. Exactly. They're being, they're being paid, paid by, by the by same, same people. people. And, you know, they, they always bring this thing up. Who's going to pay for it? Well, the thing is, when it comes up to going out and killing a whole bunch of people on the other side of the world and making them hate us, they always seem to have money to be able to pay for it. Never even questioned twice about it. But if it comes to building anything here, well, we don't have any money for that. And, you know, part of the thing is that, you know, they change, you know, they aren't worried about the budget. They're worried about what they're getting paid, what's going into their bank accounts. And the more that they can make while we get less, if that's how it is, that's just fine with them because they're in pretty good shape and uh, them are the people they're pandering to. 
It's a good point. It's a good point. And that's what it's really about. That's what I want people to realize. It's not so much people getting upset. Oh, Chris Smalls went on the Tucker Carlson show. You have people who are just trolls. Like, I'm not kidding you. They're troll farms and troll bots like on Twitter. And their job is to smear any type of collective movement. That's why they'll smear like these uh, direct action events such as the marches for Medicare for all, uh, canceling student loan debt. They'll pose as leftists. And some of you, if you're on Twitter, you've seen some of these accounts. They'll, they'll pose as leftists, but they'll smear anything outside of electoral politics that's trying to get something done. And they smear any type of collective action. So Chris Small speaking to people who watch Tucker Carlson, which, by the way, news flashed everyone. It's not just conservatives that watch Tucker Carlson. Liberals watch him, too. Some leftists watch him as well. So. They don't like that because their job is to make sure that we don't come together, that we don't pay attention to the class issue. And one thing I really like try to get across to people, regardless if someone's on the left or the right, if you're rich, you're rich. If you're poor, you're poor. Tucker Carlson gives people a platform, and that's one of the things that why they hate anybody going on Tucker Carlson, because he gives a bigger platform. You'll show anybody on the left that will give people with the opposite point of view a platform like Tucker Carlson will give many of the people that are uh, progressive and leftists or in reality, more like populist, you know, so it's sad, but it seems to me that it's not as much an issue. You going over there talking to them. It's the fact that they just want to silence you. The liberals or not liberals, because that's really not, I hate using that term. It's more like the corporate Democrats, essentially. And that's one of the crazy things that's, that's going on right now, is they want to censor and silence any dissenting opinion out of their own area or any area. And at the same time, they're now they're, you know, uh, pushing for mandates. They essentially want to have everybody stand in line. And it used to be that uh, the Democrats claimed to be the party for freedom and rights and being able to speak out and speak your mind. And that's not the case anymore. And it's really sad. I don't line up with much of the Republicans other than fiscal responsibility. And, and even that's a, a crazy thing. They just mouth it over on that side as well. Both sides don't seem to worry about fiscal responsibility when it has to do with money going to the military industrial complex, uh, big pharma. You know, the insurance and medical, uh, you know, uh, mafia, that's another thing. You know, they're all good when it's money going to their, their people, you know, uh, subsidies for the oil companies. But if it ever comes to having money go to the people and, uh, you know, my, my belief is how we get ahead and how we move up in a meritocracy is through education. We should be working on our own people going to school, going to college, becoming engineers, becoming doctors becoming, you know, a uh, uh, mathematician, scientist, geologist. We should be doing that. We should be investing in our own people. That's how you, you know, the, the saying of make America great again. I really believe it, you know, not just mouthing it and running around with a hat made in China like some people. But by doing that, you do it by improving Americans. You can only make America greater by making the Americans better. And how we do that is we work with the people we have. And you give them everything they need to get better. Now, another thing that they, when they talk about who's going to pay for it, 
if you do better and we make more money and we do much better up, you know, the standard of living and the amount of spendable revenue goes up in people's pockets, they pay more taxes. And they're also not a burden on the system. You know, the, the whole economic thing. And that's another thing, too, is they lie about the economics. You know, the economics, uh, the America was never so prosperous as back in, you know, the good old 50s and 60s when, the you know, the, the top tax rate was 95 percent. Well, even if it's not 95 percent, the idea that if somebody is extremely wealthy and they have to pay half of what they make each year on taxes that they won't make it. That's crazy. OK, because that, they aren't being taxed on what they have. They're being taxed on what they made. So the idea is, well, I'm not going to go out and make a million dollars because I only get to keep five hundred thousand. So I'll just sit back and not do anything. You know, that that's that is a lie that's being told and it's being told by the you know, by the right. And, uh, and it's tacitly being given a pass by the left. You don't see the Democrats, the ones that are so worried about many of these social issues. You don't see them. Well, we need to actually get taxes on millionaires or billionaires. You know, we need to raise the taxes. They don't. You know, that what they do is they just say words. And when it comes down to doing anything, they never seem to be able to get anything done. How long have they been promising about getting a hold on cost of drugs? No, it's always a giveaway whenever it's any of them them areas okay so i'm gonna kind of leave it at that we all know this is going on it's a situation of them funneling the money towards those that are already have the money and that can pay into them into our legalized corruption system mm, well said thank you so right, much done, reggie done with my rant sorry about the rant though oh no worries no worries all right, Rudy, you are going to be the next caller. So you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hey, I'm back. I wanted to um, mention that um, last summer there was um, a state fair that I attended. And so um, I happened to be sort of the crazy leftist amongst my group with a bunch of liberals. And so... Um, but still, I'm the one that will go and approach a bunch of right wingers, you know. I'd, so we went to a booth. There was a Republican booth, and so um, this lady approaches us, and so um, she she starts talking, and it's a nice white lady, and she's she asks us about the Democrats, and basically, I just said that they were shit. I you know said that Hillary sucks, Obama sucks. Uh, Biden sucks, and I listed all the reasons why they suck: the wars, the uh, Flint, the you know, the, the slavery in Libya, and all of this stuff. And you know, so the lady was sort of shocked, you know. So then she asked me, "What do you think of Trump?" And I said that, "Well, he sucks for pretty much the same reasons, and that that these people are best friends, and they go to each other's weddings, and." You know, they funded each other for the longest time. Um, and so because I had admitted to how shitty the Democrats were, I saw that that lady was more sort of willing to listen to what I was saying about Trump. You know, and so I was like, yeah, I mean, he he said that he was going to get us out of these wars and he didn't. He brought basically a bunch of lobbyists into his um, cabinet and look at what he's doing with Saudi Arabia and all of these things. And we literally, I mean, this lady, she was working at the Republican um, stand, but she really did not know much about what was going on. I basically just told her that 
you know, Fox doesn't really talk about the things that really we need to criticize about Democrats. And, you know, she, it's, it's, it's weird because like for me, oftentimes I find that um, Republicans, there's a lot of ignorance there, you know, it's, but it's almost like innocent ignorance as if I can say that. And with uh, Democrats, Democrats are like that white lady that had called the cops on the, um, you know, the bird watcher, understanding basically the positions that they're at. Basically, (laughs) she's like, yeah, you're black. And I know that the cops will react to you this way. And that's why I'm going to call. And so it's like, there's a wickedness in that kind of thinking that I, that I most associate with like Democrats that, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, I started hearing voices, but it's so, um, yeah, I've been, I think it's obviously right to talk to the um, Republicans. I actually wanted to ask you guys a um, question about like, what, what do you think about just having some sort of um, candidate that does exactly what AOC said that she was going to do, which is, and just like go to Washington and just burn stuff, like stop being super responsible and having to watch one, what one says, but like something that I think we were hoping in sort of someone like Jesse Ventura, like I, I just, I don't see a personality like that on the left. The left used to be sort of cool and, you know, we used to go out there and just, but like now the, the cool people are the right wing people who are less afraid of like, you know, walking on glass and stuff. And ultimately there's, there's reasons why we have that. We have, um, we got like a right wing side of the, the progressives that has like infiltrated or are like confusing people. But I, you know, can we get somebody like a, a, a fire sort of starter? And you know, because like, I don't know why it is that Kashama for some reason is somebody that can be held accountable. Like, what is is it that she is it is she just like superhuman? What kind of system is there around Kashama that makes it that she gives a bunch of her money back to um, her constituents or the party? Like, who holds her accountable? How can you do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, can, sorry. Can I? Can we have like a candidate that would come to? Like, we can. I would love for a candidate. To have to come like a month, every two months to Sabi or to talk to Bree, because we I know that you guys would have like you guys would actually ask them the questions, and that as soon as and we don't even we can suss them out by the fact that they don't come out on you guys' show as soon as like and we could just have that as the line. If you get elected and you came onto their shows and you do not show up to their shows right away, you understand what we're gonna think. And we just cut off the lines, you know, then we don't have to guess. So, okay, I'll do this in two parts. Okay, the first part, um, Shama Sawant. The reason why Shama Sawant, I think, is more of a, you know, fighter per se. Shama Sawant, number one, she did not run through the Democratic Party. And I think that's important for people to know. People really need to understand she did not run as a progressive going through the Democratic Party. So 
She doesn't really have have to answer to the Democratic Party as a whole, even though she's on the local level. Number two, she's local. And this is why I try to really tell people the way you're really going to like create change in electoral politics is going to be on the local level. It's not going to be on the federal level. And the reason why I say that is because we actually had someone in Congress who was willing to, willing to fight and push back and was actually very vocal. And her name was Cynthia McKinney. And they pushed Cynthia McKinney out of the Democratic Party. And so she ran as a Green Party. I don't know if everyone knows this, but um, I interviewed Cynthia McKinney. She ran as a Green Party candidate in 08 against Barack Obama. And you see where the media put the attention. The media put the attention on Barack Obama saying, oh, this could be the first black president, completely ignoring the fact that you also had another black person that was running. But because they weren't running through the two-party system, they ignore them or they'll smear them, right? So that's that's the big difference. And this is why I tell people these positions like city council, city council is important. Now, yes, those positions aren't paid, unfortunately, but city council controls the budget. And yes, we do need more people like Shama Sawant that are willing to say, I'm not going to take my full salary. I'm going to give some of this salary to the people that actually need it. The problem is most people that go into D.C., even if they have that intention, they're corrupted by the party. Because if you don't go along with the party, you'll be ostracized. And that's what happened to people like Cynthia McKinney. That's what happened to Ralph Nader. That's what happened to Dennis uh, Kucinich. Like those people, they push them out or they'll get someone to primary against them and they'll fund that person just to get them out. So this is why I tell people this is not work, people. <laughs> like, this is not work. Like, we've played this game over and over and over again. And everybody keep, I feel like every election cycle, someone says, we need to get this person to run. We need to get that person to run. Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever improves. Why? Because the parties are controlled by Wall Street. That's why it's not the people per se. It's it's the two party system. The whole damn system is corrupt. The whole system needs to be torn down and we need to have something uh, anew. Now, I just saw um, Rowdy just sent me this video clip that he was referring to about Brianna Joy Gray and Kim Iverson. Will Bernie Sanders run again? Progressives could have no standard barrier in 2024. So I haven't watched this video, um, but all I can go ahead and say is, why are we even talking about this? Why is this coming up again? Will Bernie Sanders run again? I feel like no one's really paying attention or not no one, but I feel like people are really not listening to people like me, RBN, uh, Convo Couch, you know, other people that have been calling out the money. Pramila Jayapal is supposed to be a progressive. She's taking corporate money through other PACs and funding it through the Medicare for All PAC. I revealed those receipts the other day. Then you have people like uh, Ilhan Omar is taking direct payments from George Soros. I have those receipts as well. So you can't even trust the people who are running as progressives. They're all bought. And it's really messed up because, yes, they took these individual grassroots donations, correct? But these organizations that they ran through, the Justice Democrats, uh, Sunrise Movement, they take money 
from George Soros. And at some point or another, I don't know how he got individual payments to some of them, but he gave individual payments to Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, and Pramila Jayapal. So this does not work. This does not work. Like at this point, I think honestly, oh my God. So I've, you know, I know Kim a little bit better than I know Brie. I don't know Brie like that. I I have had Kim on multiple times. I've ne- Brie has never been on my show. I've never been on her show. Um, but I think Kim understands this a little bit better because it just, I think you have to be in it to see it that like these, this is just, a, I think at this point now, any people who are trying to like still push this on you, we have to do it this way. And they know about the money. That's so, this is a grift. Like, I'm sorry. It'd be different if you didn't know, but if I showed you receipts and you see the money is still a problem, even with the progressives, how can you still push for this? Same thing with Nina Turner. Look at how they look at how the progressive caucus went there and backed Chantel Brown Mm -hmm. instead of Nina Turner. Like everybody knows Chantel Brown is not progressive. But the thing is, I can't even really feel bad for Nina Turner because Nina Turner was pretty pushing for the same outcome, you know, like saying, let's support these people who were showing sort of snakery stuff. And then Elon, Elon, I live, I live in a state and it is insane to me that we have a congresswoman from Somalia and with all the crazy stuff that we do in Somalia with the huge community of Somali people and Ethiopians and Liberians, Nigerians. She doesn't raise one peep about like uh, Africam and the likes. Um, just last point, you know, it would be really, I think it would be cool if you had a conversation with Adolf because Adolf is another person that's like, that challenges us a little bit in how we look at politics. And he, he says that we as black people have to sort of abandon that, like the, 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 um, the black politicians in you know have pretty much like made identity politics you know toxic um and so he's basically saying let's like let's drop it and so it's, i suppose it would be nice to hear from you know from you two basically what are the things that we sort of have to drop to be able to unify because when you talk about unifying with, um, like, uh, white, again, like, it's, it's a weird conversation, but I'm just going to say, like, if you talk about, like, the unification of, like, white people, white working class with black working class and all of these things, there's still so much ignorance that come with, like, certain, um, white people. And, and it is understandable. These, some people are from, like, weird, just, like, the most secluded, um, towns in the United States and stuff. And so, like, the mannerism and all of these things are thrown. And also we live in the United States where so racism is just like, it's crazy. We drone black people and brown people. So again, it's how do we merge together a group that says really offensive things to each other? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's no, a good um, question. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to jump out because I finally got to work. But man, I'm so disappointed. This is like, this is what I love. My This is like my bread and butter of things I get excited about, like strategizing and thinking about what is to come and to, to debate. Because, you know, I, I, me personally, as far as what you were saying before and, and tabs, what you were saying about, you know, electoral po- um, politics, you know, I think it's hard for somebody to see um, past what's not in front of them. Right. So we say, OK, the current system is not working. People are corrupt and grifters. And then but then then what? Like, what is that next? And then how do we get there? Like if we outside of a real revolution taking over like a January 6th, um, is that what we're thinking about what is to come or like you know and i'm open to any idea me personally and and then um when it comes to the the, the current system that's why i came up with the people's gauntlet because i and someone i think it it might have been the previous caller that mentioned like how do we hold them accountable as far as if they don't go on your show or if they don't go on brianna joy gray's show or independent media that kind of gives us a hint of who they're going to serve in the future and i think that there's a lot of validity to that and and matter of fact in the future gauntlet i want to have that as a question like would you go on independent media at least once a month or maybe once a quarter you know once every three months go at least at the very least you should you know even aoc doesn't go on tyt like that anymore and they're the ones that single or not i don't want to say single-handedly helped her but they was a big influence in helping her and she doesn't even go on their channel anymore there she's more on morning joe as of right now so um the people's gauntlet is is a whole bunch of questions that they have have to give their perspective on as far as Medicare for all, et cetera. And, you know, in, in me trying to push this initiative, I found that I've I've talked to candidates who who have been endorsed by Marianne Williamson and other people. I've directly talked to them and I could tell they're not enthusiastic about doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you, we could also tell when you go to a, a big pet peeve of mine is when you go to a candidate's webpage and you can't either you can't find the issues page or when you find their issues slash priorities page, it has like three bullet points. And that's it. Like if you're going to represent us, you need to tell us how where you stand on all the different issues so that we know, OK, we can put you into office to represent me. And it seems like it's the opposite. It's almost like that. I'm with her mentality where. Uh, I'm running and you have to be with me. I don't have to give anything, you, you know, so um, I, I'm I'm going to jump out and I, I'm disappointed. I wish I could stay and, and we could really uh, talk about this. This is, I love talking this, but uh, much love to you in the chat and uh, have a good night. All right, Case. Yeah, I'll still listen, though. All right. Okay. See ya. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the next part. Rudy, thanks so much for calling in. This is a really good discussion. I'm going to go ahead and go to the next caller, which is uh, Lance. Um, Lance, what is your take on all this with Chris Malls going on to Tucker Carlson's show? Yeah. Hey, Savvy. Great to talk to you again. Um, you know, not that you remember me, but of course it makes sense. I live in the rural areas and I, I and, you know, engage with rural people. Because they're the people that are gettable. And I argue about Trump and all the rest. So, of course, it makes perfect sense for him to go on that show. He should go everywhere and anywhere. And what I think, what I know, what the left wants, the pseudo left, they want de facto censorship. So if Glenn Greenwald and Chris Small and everybody else can't go on MSNBC or CNN and only Fox will have them, it's like, no, 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 we want de facto censorship. 
we want to say they can't come on our show and we don't want to let them on your show so they get no mainstream media access. That's what they're saying. And it's like, no, that ain't going to work. Here's another thing. The people that say that it was a wrong, you know, ridiculously, that Chris Moll shouldn't have gone on Tucker. Now, maybe they do. Probably a lot of these folks do agree that RT then, that was the right call to get rid of RT. Because Chris Small and Glenn Greenwald know that Tucker's having them on specifically because they're going to diss on Democrats generally, specifically whatever. That's the only reason they do it, because it fits in with, ha-ha, look at this, liberals criticizing liberals, of course. And Chris Hedges and everybody on RT knows full well that they're welcome because they're going to talk against America and they are going to be used as a propaganda tool by Russia. I mean, that, that's a fact. You know, Chris Hedges would not say anything else besides that, you know. He didn't do any stories on Russia, he pointed out, which is hilarious. And the one he did was trashing Russia and their authoritarian nature. The only story he ever did was an author about Reddit was trashing Russia. You know, and so it's so patently obvious that anybody who claims to be on the left for real, who isn't just knowing this kind of backroom shenanigan, who could look at this and say that it's wrong for him to go on that show is extremely ignorant or naive or corrupted by the whole idea that we want de facto censorship. There's no other conclusion to draw. Good points. Um, I think that, God, you know, what's really interesting to me, and I, I believe I pointed this out on my show before. I remember uh, the first, I think, two times that Jimmy Dore went on Tucker Carlson's show. I remember people like really smearing Jimmy Dore saying, oh, see, I told you guys he's secret right winger and and all that stuff. But then, you know, as I've been doing more research and I've talked about uh, this individual on my show, uh, actually quite often in the past uh, month or two, Nomiki Kunz can go on Fox News multiple times and she doesn't get those smears. So to me, it's just the, the jig is up. It's it's very obvious here what's happening. Yep. Could I throw in one point about duopoly? And I've, I've mentioned this before in other, you know, call-ins with you. If I was given a magic wand and I could wipe the, you know, wipe the slate clean and start all over with political parties in the United States. Now, the founders liked the idea of no parties, no factions. That's unrealistic. So I wouldn't go with no parties if I had the druthers of, you know, being able to be philosopher king and, and dictate the law. I don't think I'd have a dozen parties. If you look at someplace like Italy, they had 48 changes of governments in 46 years. Uh, they have far, remember the, what was it, the granddaughter of Mussolini wanted to like re, reintroduce Mussolini politics to Italy. And then you have very, very far left. I don't think I'd go that route. But I wouldn't have three, three parties. And this is what is so unbelievably, again, when you look at like Marianne Williamson and Crystal Ball and Katie Halper, they really think we're going to do it by radical. I mean, Turner, we're going to get another Bernie, et cetera. No. But it's not about what the parties do. Even if you can succeed as swimmingly as you want to, you still got to deal with the other half of the Democratic Party that's all still corporate and independent, legitimately, because their constituents are. But you need a fourth party and a fifth party. And if I could set up five parties, it would not be a centric center left and then uh, a socialist, a Marxist, and then a you know, Bernie Sanders. I wouldn't have four left-wing parties, even though I'm left of Bernie Sanders, almost as far left, say, as Richard Wolff, almost to pure Marxism. But I would have a legitimate right-wing party that's pretty conservative and maybe a center-right party and then three progressive parties, right? Yes, I would have a balance that way because that's what I would do. That's my own bias. But And I think that progressivism is ultimately more self-enlightened, 
way to, you know, goodness for society, you know. But you see my point, though. It's not, so the idea that, no, 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 we're going to do it with – it's ridiculous to think that even if they get everything they want – I'm talking about the, you know, honest-to-goodness lefties that think they're going to do it within the Democratic Party. You're still not going to get there. Even if you get everything you want, the politics you want, the committees you want, without a third party, and I've said this before, throughout our history, I don't care how many national third parties there have been. The two major parties started out as would-be third parties. The only reason they weren't is because the Whigs decided to fold and the Democratic Republicans decided to fold. Otherwise, the Republicans and the the new uh, Jacksonian Democrats, they would have been a third party. So let's not say that they didn't, in other words, you know, mold and, uh, you know, merge and kind of uh, mold into it like the Federalists, you know, kind of molded into the Whigs. They had a very similar coalition. This was not that. There were, they would have been third parties. So you could say that the two most successful third parties are the current Republican and Democratic Party. And throughout history, you've got the Populist Party going all the way back to the mid-18th century, the Farmer Populist Party. You've got the La Follette Progressive Party. You've got even the Bull Moose or the, you know, Republicans of Teddy Roosevelt, which were true progressives, much of a warmonger as you were. So, yeah, and you had the literal communists on the Communist Party getting a million votes from jail in a national election in the 30s. So the idea that third parties have had no effect and that that's not the way to go, I just think that their arguments fall down on for all those reasons. So I'll stop there. Mm, well said, Lance. Uh, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead to the next caller. All right. Frocked. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hey, it's Fractal here. It's nice to see, talk to you again. Glad to see you back on. What's your take on all of this? I'm old enough, still yet young enough to remember that everybody, when Bernie was running in 2020, was saying Bernie would be the best because he could convert the Republicans. He could convert the Trumpers. So why is it such a problem that we're doing the very thing that supposedly, if Bernie had won the primary, we would be doing right now? I just I find it odd that the very people who are complaining were the very ones saying that's what we should do. And now that people are doing it, but it's not them. It's a problem. So thank you for pointing out. I forgot she goes on. (laughs) No, it's 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 true. And then also, um, I don't know if everyone remembers, but in 2020, Bernie Sanders went on Fox News and had a town hall. And it was awesome. Yeah. So what? Yeah. (laughs) what happened here i think that people's true color showed on their self-righteousness and piety and i think that there's a difference between people who are respectfully irreverent and those who just want to be respectable and it's interesting that you have a problem with people who call themselves leftists that go and talk to people that you vehemently disagree with, which is what will keep the country together. But you're all for talking to people like the neoliberals who pretty much created the system that created Trump and Trumpism. That's okay though, even though they do racist things too. And I understand the violence and the things that you don't like about some Trumpers who are very extreme, such as January 6th. That's even more of a reason that that's a red alert. You know, that 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 to me says that it's even more important that we do this. 
So I just, I just, I just, if anybody had an issue with me saying this, I would tell them, miss me on my progressive populist left and go learn what's right. That's what I would say. So, um, but the two other things I wanted to mention before I go is I remember the last conversation people were talking about, uh, Chris Smalls having a successor. And that is important, but I think we on the left have to learn to be process oriented rather than person oriented. And I get that there are some people you could just never truly replace because everybody's unique. But the reason why corporations survive the way that they do, including the corporations such as the Republican and Democratic Party, is because they are process oriented. And having worked at a bank, having worked at an energy company as an analyst, I can tell you, and being one that wrote the procedures, that is how you make sure a job is done. So whether the person shows up to work or moves on, gets fired or gets promoted or has to take a leave of absence, that's how it works. And so we as leftists, whatever we're doing, whether it be inside politics or doing the union work or doing what you're doing, Sabi, or what Max Blumenthal or Jimmy Dore or and Chris Hedges, the legendary journalism or the historian like uh, Gerald Horn, Brianna Joy Gray, everybody needs to write down how you do this and empower others and then they do it and we all have our creative spin on it and that's how you democratize power that is how we pass this down because they're trying to create a country of amnesia by buying up all the libraries and getting rid of working class mm-hmm. union i appreciated the person who said hey the workers got with the union workers got with small businesses and that's how they beat the banks that's crucial to know so the last thing, uh, as far as corporate censorship, there's another form that happens offline. If you ever talk to a petitioner who does like ballot issues in your state, note that they always have to be in places that they're allowed to be in. And if you go to like a city, there's a lot of public third places. But if you go to the suburbs, there's nothing but private businesses. And so the only place you can do that's public is the sidewalk, which nobody uses. And even the post office is federal. And not public. So it's kind of a way of locking people in who are in a certain class bracket and usually of a certain race to not be able to engage with people who have different ideas. Because if you do, you might get something different. So there is structural censorship by corporations that are all around us because petitions, as I've talked to petitioners, it's a really great way of democratized power and direct democracy to go beyond the politicians. So it's just something to think about and maybe something to try to focus on. Thoughts? That is such a really good point. And I, I definitely, you know, agree with you about somebody should follow. Like there should be someone coming after Chris Smalls as a successor because and the reason why I say this is because I'm thinking about this from past jobs that I've had where I've started a position and there was the person who was there before me, my predecessor, had nothing written down and mm-hmm. nobody knew how to do anyone's job. There was no cross training. So you had to kind of like just figure it out as you went along. Like this is a big problem, right? So it's true. Who is going to take up the reins and not saying that, you know, Chris needs to be worried, but at the same time, you're right. There should be somebody coming up behind him that he's already trained. He may have already done this. I don't know that he has already trained to take up, you know, to take on the reins in the event that, you know, he is not able to do this like going forward. I'm, I'm a little uh, worried in a sense that I feel like some people, 
who have never talked to Chris Smalls now are all of a sudden trying to talk to Chris Smalls. Mm-hmm. And like, and to give you an idea, like Chris Smalls came on my show back when I had like 2000 subs. Like I, it was very small, very small. And I wasn't even doing live streams then. I was just doing record recordings and he came onto my show. And like, now it's, it's interesting to me. I'm seeing all these people that never had Chris Smalls on. And now they're like, Oh, let's talk to the guy who, who helped the Amazon union. I'm like, where were you guys before when he was organizing? There's an old school song called down and out back in the Motown days. That fits just the situation right there. <laughs> awesome awesome all right well thanks so much for calling in i'm gonna take the next caller yep and i like the old folks say stay sharp since they ruined stay woke stay sharp thanks all right anthony you are the next caller hey what's going on hello yeah well Chris Smalls, I mean, I can't believe people trying to just tone peace, tone police, peace police, and it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's like everyone's their own person. And I mean, yeah, if I personally went on Tucker Carlson, I'd probably never get back on again because I'd say, well, yeah, Tucker, I think you're kind of a racist uh, bigot, whatever. (laughs) You'd never let me back on, but that's how I would do it. That's not how everyone's going to do it. So he got his message across very well, you know, to. Uh, audience that typically wouldn't hear it. Very yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't understand. And someone brought this up in the chat. Why is it only Tucker Carlson's show that they get upset about? I mean, what about all the other shows on Fox that leftists have gone on those shows? Why is it only Tucker Carlson's show that they get upset about? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. He's he's pretty hateable, though, with his kind of bow tie persona. But But I don't know. That aside, you know, I was just obviously I had this whole leftist fraud squad, uh, progressive caucus, Jai Paul Turner thing on my mind uh, in this in the background this whole week weekend, and uh, you know, the, I'm thinking about the voting of it. It's the voting is like the least of what we can do. You know, that's once every two four years, and uh, I've never really seen any candidate that I've been so inspired to campaign for. Uh, of course, I, I donated to. Um, Bernie and I donated to a local squad member here, but back in the past, but I never really campaigned for him. They weren't that impressed in me to begin with. But I just think, uh, you know, we have uh, enough people in our, in the world, in our country that we can kind of put these uh, representatives under a microscope, like not let them have one minute, one waking moment of, you know, time to elude our very watchful eyes. You know, there's only 535 of them. And we, if we decentralize ourselves, we watch every media appearance they do to catch an inconsistency. For example, you know, Ro Khanna, uh, he was on the Brianna Joy Gray. He said uh, something about the Azov, you know, being a small part of the military in Ukraine. And then the very next day, he's on another radio program and says they're not even in the military. So, you know, uh, <laughs> so we can catch these inconsistencies. We just, uh, decentralize, pay attention to the couple ones in your local area. And uh, not let them have a moment of peace, you know? No, I agree 100%. You got to watch it. Like, so I, I watch a lot of mainstream media because that's part of that's part of my job here <laughs> is to watch like mainstream media and to see the talking points. And so I see people like Rokana and, of course, like other candidates as well. By, by the way, 
Um, I have noticed something uh, this time around versus uh, election years before. I have noticed I do not see progressive candidates this time around getting as much attention as they were uh, before. As as like the squad did. I have noticed that like when they were running, like there's no documentary. There's no there's no knocking down the house documentary for the people who are running now. It's just something that I've I've noticed. Um, but that being said, um, I've noticed how people talking points change. And there's some people that I watch and like regardless what show they go on, they say the exact same thing every time. And then there are some people where they change their rhetoric depending on the show that they go on. And so I I see this a lot and like <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's annoying sometimes because I have to take in so much information and remember who said what and when they said it. And so, and keep receipts as well. Uh, but you do notice the difference. Like I notice, like there are certain things that Rokana says, if he goes on like independent media, or I will say I, further left independent media versus when he goes on TYT, it's just something that I notice. Like, I think people kind of know where they know where people are going to be a little bit more, they're going to go easier on them. So they kind of know what they can say on certain channels and what they can't say on others. And it's just something that I've noticed. Like people don't bring their, they don't always bring their full self, put it that way. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, one, one other part of that. There's a local congressperson here. They're not exactly a squad, but they're considered a progressive. And uh, they 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 always go on this local NPR show near me. And so on uh, January 3rd this year, I called them and I said, uh, you know, say you're for Medicare for all right now, like no hesitation, but you haven't mentioned it all year. And I basically got this congresswoman to admit she said, quote, neither me nor Bernie Sanders were fighting for Medicare for all throughout all of 2021. And that's on tape right now. And anyone can hear it. And she said, we weren't fighting for all I do. She's like, I had conversations with Bernie. And it's like, wow, that's a really useful piece of tape for anyone in uh, left media. And then uh, that same congresswoman the other day, I said, you know, are you going to vote for this military budget to her on the same radio show? And she basically fear mongered and then slipped up and said, like, Saudi Arabia is our enemy, which I'm like, no, nah, it's our ally. I would have said that, but they cut me off. So it's really easy to catch these 535 losers in a tongue twister. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Interesting. Thanks so much for calling in, Anthony. And we'll go to the next caller. All right, Mary, you are next. Just got to hit unmute. Might have to hit it a couple of times. I'm not sure what happened to Mary. Mary, Mary, where did you go? See if I can invite you to speak. That may work. No, Mary? Mary, I'll circle, I'll circle back, okay? All right, I'm going to go ahead and go to uh, Lance. And you just got to unmute. Is there no after me? Gregory, don't forget me, but I already had a shot. Not. You know what I mean? You want me? 
Do you want me to go ahead and take yeah. Greg? Okay. Yeah, you know, don't forget me. I'd like to get another comment, but I already had a chance to talk. So. All righty. You'll just have to get back in line again. All right, Greg, Bruce, you're next. Just got to unmute. Yeah, I, um, so I won't keep it too long. I mean, a lot of great stuff has been said, but um, I mean, the fact that people are uh, going after Chris Smalls for going on Tucker Carson, it's it's really just showing that um, they're just they're not focused on the right priorities. It's almost like they're just looking at like a sports rivalry um, at this point. Um, and uh, I'm just I'm glad to see that um, we're demonstrating that you know, the outside game can work. Um, and I think that that's a lot of what's going on is people are kind of uh, hurt that the uh, the way that they're, the approach to politics that they're uh, so opposed to is winning. So it's just, a, it's just a huge uh, uh, mass outbreak of uh, butthurt among uh, shitloads is what we're dealing with. But I mean, the more we demonstrate that the outside game can work, the more people will join us in solidarity, solidarity with that approach. Um, so let's just keep up these big ones and um, keep pushing uh, activism like this. So um, I'll keep it at that. Yeah, that's a good point to mention. You know, it's interesting how many people have seemed to have forgotten, like all the different wins that we've had in this country through direct action. Like, I don't know, something like the civil rights movement, something like the women's rights movement. You know, that was all done through the outside game. Like, could you imagine if MLK decided to use electoral politics for the civil rights movement. I don't think that would have worked. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, we're seeing, uh, um, the, uh, the vindication of that, uh, of that idea. So, uh, we just need to get the momentum back, um, in the outside game and out of the inside game. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thanks so much. I'm going to go to the next caller here. Have a good night. You too. Okay, Jacob, um, I see you spoke. I'm going to go ahead and take Jay and then I'll come back to you. So Jay, you're the next speaker and you just got to hit unmute. Oh, I think we lost Jay. I think I'll be going to Jacob after all. Oh, and guys, let me know if when you hit unmute, if um, it's kicking you from the queue, let me know if that's an issue, because if so, that's something I do need to let um, IT know about. Okay, Jacob, you are the next caller. Hey, Sabi. Hello. Hey, so I just want to say a couple of things that I didn't get a chance to say before. Um, I don't want to take up too much time here because I already talked. I just want to say, because um, I addressed the whole Chris Smalls thing, that like what we're trying to do, obviously, is build a new world. Like I understand these little topics of politics, but really, you know, I mean, it's beyond left and right. We really just need to create a new world in our own image. So, I think I think a lot of this is is going towards. Um, ability to buy land and to grow resources. So I just wanted to emphasize that of what's really important because we all get distracted by all this politics 
And really, at the end of the day, it's all about resources and about ourselves. So as selfish as that may seem, I really think it's about us coming together and putting our resources together, our money together, and uh, and stop thinking in terms of competition um, with those who think only in terms of politics and left and right. Um, I wish I could stress this more, but really... The more I've, I've been around in this life and the more I've, I've gone down low in this uh, economic spectrum, the more I feel it's really just about the lower class coming together and, and putting the resources and time and money together towards uh, a better world, which doesn't require voting. It doesn't require any of this stuff. It requires just people to come in together and... Um, and buying land and, and, and really just growing resources and hemp and bamboo and stuff and just growing things and creating stuff together on a primitive level. And I know, I know, Sabi, you've started to get into that growing food and stuff. Like, I really love that about you. Like, I'm so, like, I had a good feeling about you before, but when you, when you brought on, I don't know what her name was, but like talking about growing food, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I got a really good judge of character with you. Because you're just so um, you you're all about that stuff, like in, in intuitively, and I just love that about you. So I just want to say that, and um, much love to you, and uh, have a good night. Oh, thank you so much, Jacob. Yeah, one of the things that my parents—well, I should say this more so my dad. Uh, so most of you, if you watch me, you know that my dad was uh, former military, so he's retired, but like. One of the the things that my dad used to always tell me is never to get too comfortable. And so my dad would do things when I was growing up, like, and I really thought I was like, man, my dad is just so like, he's just being so strict (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) I was like, he's trying to make us us suffer for no reason. Right. But as I got older, I looked back on it and I realized um, he was trying to teach us not to get too comfortable in life. And I'm glad that like he did that. But at the time, like when I was a kid and I was growing up, I was just like, man, dad, like, why are you making us do all this stuff when we could just take the the shortcut? And my dad was literally big on that, like stop taking shortcuts. Right. So I think that like, I've learned like a lot from that. And I just encourage people to do that. Like, I think I've been kind of fortunate where like I was a camp counselor. Um, so I know how to do some life skills so that I could take care of myself, not everything, but at the same time, like my husband was an Eagle scout. So like, he knows how to build shelter. He knows how to build a fire. He knows how to, and the more people I talk to, I realize like a lot of people don't know how to do this. Yeah, it's true. Savvy. like, it's all about getting us to a situation where we have land and we have resource growth. And that's really when you get out of press tax, politics doesn't matter. Like on the Titanic, when it's sinking, they don't care about the class. They don't care about left or right. It's sinking, ship sinking. The ship is sinking now. And we got to stop thinking about class because it's not a matter of class. Just like the people on Titanic's going down, they're not thinking about class. And we're in this in this whole bubble because we still have the internet and all this stuff thinking that we're in this fucking fantasy world. 
it's not that way. We have to grow resources. We have to learn how to grow things and put things together and, and really get together now or we're fucked. And that's it. Well said. Well because said. They because, because they don't give a shit about us. They don't care. And they don't know how to fucking do anything. All these rich people don't know how to fucking grow food. They don't know how to do shit. So that's it. They're, they're stupid. They're dumb. So like all these people we think are so smart and they have all the money and they have everything we need. They don't know how to do shit. We're the ones. We're it. Mm. Well said. Well said. All right, Mary, I see you are added to the speaker part now. I'm going to go to you, Mary. Um, all you have to do is just hit the unmute button. And you're in the speaker queue, so you should be able to. Let me know if it doesn't let you. Unfortunately, with this app, it doesn't allow me to unmute people. It gives me the option to force mute someone, but not unmute them. That's a little strange. Hello. Uh, all Can right, you're there. Oh, my God, that's incredible. How are you? I'm just, good. <laughs> I just somehow saw you, but you obviously, um, I follow so many of the same people everybody's mentioning. I was just listening before this to Crystal and Kyle talking to Nina Turner and that sad news of Jayapal, <laughs> you know, choosing to endorse her opponent, which is just pathetic. Um, but Anyway, you have incredible callers, and I really like your content. It's great. Um, anyway, I agree with so much of everything that everyone's saying. Um, I feel for Chris Malls. He's obviously a man who decided, you know what the hell? They fired me for, you know, ridiculous reasons. He was right in what he did. He stood up for himself and the rest of the workers. He said, they're lying. They're telling everyone we're heroes, but they're actually doing nothing to protect us. And then, you know, we're all having to come to work. For a lot of people, that's their only job. That's their main source of income. Even if they're sick, they come to work, right? So it's just brutal. And he stands up to it and he says, let's do a walkout. And they fire him, right? Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so... I look at him and I think this took incredible courage. And because I listened to Breaking Points, Crystal and Sager, and even before they did Breaking Points, um, you know, they, I think they had interviewed Chris Smalls two years ago, over two years ago. And so, but nobody else was talking about these things, as you well know. So um, I just think that we, I'm, I'm so glad that there's independent media. I'm so grateful that I don't even haven't for years watched anything like, but I never really watched Fox to be honest with you, but I, I used to watch CNN and MSNBC and all that, but um, I haven't watched those things in years. And I'm grateful that I get my news from where I get it because it's so much more reliable and truly informative. So um I, I really feel concerned for Chris Smalls. He's going to face a lot of pressure from these large unions, from people who are really savvy at how to buy people out, how to, you know, they can offer him millions to try to just, you know, be a figurehead, but actually just kind of take the side of 
Amazon. Amazon mm-hmm. is very afraid. They do not want worker power. They mm-hmm. do not want worker power. That is the bottom line for Amazon, for Starbucks. Look at the reaction that the Starbucks, um, you know, what it, Howard Schultz is having to this union movement. This is just, he's beside himself. Um, because, he, you know, and it's all wrapped in this virtue. Oh, look at us. We're Starbucks. We care about our employees. Look at all this. But it's all this virtuous, um, phony kind of branding pretense. It's very disgusting. But it's been going on for decades, as I'm sure you well know. Um, I'm sure you're very young. But at the same time, you've seen it probably your whole life. Because I think it probably got started when you were a child and it's been probably all you've ever known and i don't know when you became aware that it was nothing but smoke and mirrors but it's it's great to see what chris smalls is doing but he's going to need a lot of support because it'd be pretty hard to turn down the kind of life they're going to offer him they're going to offer him where he would never have to worry about another thing in his life and this is a man who was without a job I think he ended up homeless for a while. Um, You know, he's Mm -hmm. been through it. He's been through it. And, you know, and they can do it not just for him, but for the people right around him, his best friend, his other, you know, the other people in the leadership. Um, So it's just going to take a lot. And I just hope and pray that independent media can grow. This call-in app is great. People are getting more informed. They're starting to be able to talk. And it's different than the toxicity of Twitter, um, which really basically helps people who just want to, like, say mean things. You know, that's really basically what that kind of works towards. So I'm just glad you exist. (laughs) I will start (laughs) to follow you now. Uh, Your name is Sabrina. Well, yeah, my real name is Sabrina, but my show name is Savvy Sabs. Okay, Savvy Sabs. But uh, anyway, nice to meet you. And um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Like, can you give me your kind of lowdown of where you think this is all headed? I'd really appreciate it. You know, I've been thinking the same thing. I just, I really hope that, um, you know, so far from what I've seen from Chris, he still looks like the same Chris. Like he's not getting dressed up to go into these interviews. Some people do when they go onto like CNN or Fox news, they're like, all of a sudden they feel like they have to put on a suit and a tie. Like he didn't do that. He just showed up like as himself. So I thought that that was really great, but you're right. There are going to be people that come along that offer him some type of money, some type of deal. And I'll be honest with you. Like you even have to be careful with some of the people in independent media, because even some of them, it's like, there are ways that people will use you in this space to make themselves look good. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to be really careful with that. And it's one of those things that you just kind of learn as you go. Like I've learned this as well. There are some people that are going to be there to support you because they actually really care about the issues. And then there are some people in independent media that are just, they're just trying to use you to make themselves look good. And then once they get the notoriety that they 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 get from from you from from helping you or being around you, uh-huh. then they'll just they'll kick you to the side. And I, I've oh. seen that 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 happen in independent media. Like it's called even in independent media, 
-hmm. It's called access journalism for a reason. Okay. In order to get access to certain people, and not everyone's like this. Some people, they don't care who you are. If you invite them on, you want to talk to them, they'll do what they can do, right? Right. But most people I've encountered in the space, it is not that way. It is access journalism and independent media the same way that it is in mainstream media in the sense that in order to get access to certain people, you either need to have someone introduce you to them or Mm -hmm. they need to... you kind of have to kiss up to them in a way. Like I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Like you have to like kind of kiss their ass or okay. they have to receive like a seal of approval from people above them that it's okay for them to interact with you. And right, right. what I, what I'm worried about when it comes to Chris is I sincerely hope that what he doesn't do is to not go on to the other channels that are not as large as the ones that he went on before, if that makes sense. I sincerely oh, hope no, that I, he absolutely. still does that. Because they'll be clamoring for him, but they're not trying to clamor for him because they really care about him or those workers. They're clamoring for him so that they can compromise him, actually. They want to just sort of bring him into the fold and then sort of move him to a different place. Um, and move these workers to a different place, sort of a compromise. And then mm-hmm. they can start a, a narrative that says, well, we gave them X. They're so selfish. They want Y. I mean, yep. that's just how these people operate. And they're experts at it. They make a living doing this. And so I, I just, um, I feel for him because this is a, this is a long road. Chris Smalls is, it seems like a long road maybe so far to him. The road is just beginning just beginning. And so, um, and the, like, I, I just feel like when a lot of these people ran for Congress and I was really excited, I mean, for me, Nina Turner comes across as very genuine. I feel like she is a natural leader. I feel like she wants the best for the people of Cleveland and wherever she represents. And, um, you know, but of course the powers that be don't want a person like her. She's just troubled them, you know, just, and so I don't know. I find it, I feel like this union movement and this movement of independent media, everything needs to sort of begin to coalesce where the needs of regular people begin to take the, the, you know, the center stage and instead of this ridiculous, well, look, the economy's fantastic. You know, everything's great. You know, it's just, it's insane, you know. And I mean, I'm going to be 65 in June. So I've seen a lot and didn't know a lot. I was quite ignorant for a long time about what was going on. And even though I've always been a person who um, cared about, you know, people of, you know, well, I grew up with a mother who volunteered and worked for Bobby Kennedy's campaign. And, you know, his picture was next to, you know, Martin Luther King on the wall in my house. But like it, it, I, you know, when I was an adult, then I began to think, well, you know, these other people are okay. And, you know, voted for George Bush twice. And then started to realize after I started to listen to independent media, 
wow, this whole Iraq thing was a debacle. Afghanistan's a debacle. Vietnam was a debacle. Like, and you begin to realize how bad things are, you know? And I've just gotten a lot of education, I'll have to say, in the last, you know, six years of my life about what was really going on. So I just feel like the whole key to our, the future of our country is to hear the voices of the people, not the people with power and with money, the people who are working and trying and struggling and surviving. And mm-hmm. Chris Smalls represents that. He's like the quintessential representation of that. And so we need him to remain uh, who he is and powerful and plug him, you know, help him be, you know, continue to go and grow. And he's not going to be the only one creating more Chris Smalls. And so anyway, I appreciate your time. <laughs> awesome. Nice yeah. Good day. Thanks so much, Mary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care now. You too. All right. Bye. All right, Lance, you're going to be next. Just got to hit unmute. There's so many, so many good talkers. Uh, Mary's very heartfelt and everything too. That's, that's great. You know, uh, she's right. Um, Chris Balls, yeah. Every interview, it's all about we and us. Very little I and me. And like you said, as Jimmy Dore pointed this out, he's dressed in the same clothes from the hood. He hasn't changed a thread. He's being himself. I have whole faith in him. I agree. That's I didn't think about that, but I hope he does talk to people from everywhere. But you know what? Another really interesting pivot. Now he says, okay, we got to. He's talking about all the other plants that need to have union uh, 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 approval. In other words, he's not talking about the contract because now they have a legal right to a contract and Amazon's got a bargain in good faith. And, you know, they have several months to delay it and then they have to. He's not even talking about that. He's only talking about getting it's going to be a lot harder for Amazon to say delay like 30. Let's say it's actually 100 around the world, but. Even if they get a third of them, it's going to be a lot harder for Amazon to hold up the, uh, the uh, good faith bargaining with more and more union uh, plants that want to organize. And that's what he's uh, focused on. He's not about the, uh, you know, getting a contract for the, the Staten Island yet. Yeah. I mean, the star, in reference to like Starbucks, like they are just on the move. They're going like just across this country, store after store after store after store. Uh, yeah. So how Howard Schultz is, uh, huh? You've only lost once. Yep. Yep. Howard Schultz, by the way, like they brought, I was going to say they brought Howard Schultz back in just to stop that movement, by the way, you guys, he was not CEO anymore. He was already like out of that position. They brought him back in as interim CEO to, to disrupt and stop that movement. And he's not doing a good job of that. And I want to remind everyone that this guy said he was going to run for president in 2020 and he was going to run as an independent because he said that both parties were corrupt and not serving the needs of the people. And this guy has always been anti-union. Yeah, that's backfiring spectacularly. A hundred percent backfiring. And you know, and the thing about Starbucks is these are college-educated kids who can afford more. They're not. They're not. You know, they don't have families depending on them. They're in a much more flexible position than a lot of people at Amazon, who have to you know 
provide for families, et cetera, especially if you live in cities where it's expensive, uh, you know, too. Um, and Chris Malls, you know, oh, if I could just throw these two things in, my dad toughened me up too. And we lived in a suburb that was very white, very middle, middle top or middle class. We were very middle, but he made, first of all, he let me stand up to myself against a bully. That toughened me up when I was seven. Then he made me get a job. 14 years old, living in Pennsylvania. He says, call working papers, look into it. No more allowance. And at 14, I went to work in a car wash and it was great. I worked with a lot of riff raffy people and all my friends. I got them all jobs there, but what a great experience, you know, and I made twice as much as I did on an uh, allowance once I realized it was better. But anyway, yeah, so there's other callers and I've already had a chance to speak, but I'll get in line maybe. Or all righty. Thanks so much, Lance. All right, MJ, you are the next caller. Hey, good evening. Um, I just wanted to quickly say, like, I appreciate what Chris Smalls did because I've worked at Amazon a couple times. And um, the, the stories are true at the fulfillment centers. Um, when I wanted to, you know, use a restroom break as a stower, you'd have to park your cart next to the restroom, make sure you're scanning your items, quickly take your break, go back, scan more items. Otherwise, you get time off task. And then if you get time off task, a supervisor is going to find you by where your scanner's at. They're going to find you at your warehouse and have a little talk with you. Very Orwellian. Um, you pretty much had a number associated to you, which was like how much um, you know production you were doing. You were pretty much a number to them. And you know if your number was too low, you know you might have a supervisor come over and have a little talk with you. And um, you know they do the seasonal employment and they just like churn out the employees. It's it's pretty screwed up, to be honest. So I just I just wanted to quickly say, like, as a former Amazon employee, like one of the grunt workers, um, I really appreciate the unionization. And it's funny because I think I saw something about, like, the top 10 jobs of, like, top pain, and one of them was Amazon. But it wasn't one of the workers, right? It was one of the software engineers or one of the top guys, but obviously not the workers. So I just thought that was kind of a, a little joke how, yeah, of course, there's an Amazon position that might be one of the top best, but the actual ones doing the labor are man we were treated like animals straight up and so i just wanted to clear like you know say again i really appreciate what chris smalls did and i hope more i hope it's the same thing as starbucks and then walmart needs to be next shoot walmart needs to unionize and i also do appreciate the other comments about like growing your own food i have a buddy who um is trying to do like off-grid type stuff use solar panels a generator alternators um or inverters i mean so you know, grow your own food, build your own um, stuff. That's huge. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get your co-op going. So anyways, those are my thoughts. I really appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, I'm going to go to Derek. You're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Thanks for having me. Excellent show, Savvy. I appreciate Thank it. you. I'm calling in. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. Uh, I think, I think the, the unionization is incredibly important. And the most reason, the, the biggest reason it's, it's important is that it's a non-political solution done by non-political actors. 50% of the people in the country don't vote and the people who do vote are invested in the system for the most part. So I don't have statistics, but I would say that the people who voted to organize, voted to unionize, probably haven't voted much in their lives. And that's really, really important because half the people in the country don't vote. Our solution can't come from voting. These people are done with voting. 
they realize that it's useless. Now, should the left talk with the right? Of course, because like I said, most of us aren't left or right. So the left has to talk with the left, the right has to talk with the right, and everybody has to talk with all the people who aren't involved. That's a much bigger group. If we took all the people who are involved and half the left and half the right, we'd have 75% of the people. And I want to follow up with just a question for you. Maybe you can think about, I don't think it's something that we can really hash out today, but if, uh, if there was a solution, let's say somebody had a solution and it was a, a non-political solution, it was an incredibly effective solution. Um, new things, new ideas are instantly co-opted. So if you could just wheel out a briefcase and it had the plan and it was a good plan, as soon as you started to talk to people about it, as soon as you started to build any momentum, uh, they would develop an immediate uh, counter solution. They would crush it. And so even if you had a solution, you would need first enormous resources, financial backing, and um, and the most important resource is the right people involved before you could bring it public. So my question is, let's say you had the solution and uh, no resources. How would you get the resources without going public and talking to people? Oh, boy. That's a good question. I think when it comes to coming up with a plan, I think we should look at, and this is something we talk about on Revolutionary Blackout a lot. I think we need to start looking at what the Black Panthers did in this country. One thing I think that is incredible is the fact that they didn't have social media. So we kind of have a leg up, right? We have social media. We have more technology. They didn't have that. They didn't have cell phones, any of that. And the Black Panthers were able to spread their message, not just across the United States, but they had a global message. And I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but there were actually Black Panthers. They were going to countries like South Korea and Japan. So they were creating an international movement. And so I think we need to collaborate with people abroad and we're already starting to do some of this over on RBN. We have a anti-imperialist summit coming up and there's going to be people abroad that are going to tell us about what it's like in their country and some of the things that the U S government has done and how it's affected their country. Right. We need to build coalition with people outside of the United States. And like for someone like me, this is like a no brainer because I lived abroad. So like I, I grew up part of my life in Germany, part of my life in the United States. So to me, it's like a no brainer. Like you have to have an international coalition, but I think Americans today, I think that a lot of us have been conditioned to just accept things for what they are. And I think this is why like half of Americans don't vote. Actually, it's a little bit more than half. Most Americans don't vote because they're just, they know that this isn't going to get us anywhere. But I think we need to look at some of the things that the Black Panthers did, right? So one of the things that we've taken from that is mutual aid. 
So Rome goes across this country and does tour for the poor. In fact, he'll be here with me in Boston uh, next Monday uh, doing tour for the poor here in Boston. This is a way that we can really help people in the community. Mutual aid is a big thing. When a lot of these organizations go on strike, they get by with mutual aid. That's how like the Kellogg strike, they had mutual aid. Uh, the coal miner strike in Alabama, they had mutual aid set up. So we need to start like building support in our communities and we need to get that message to other people so that they can do the same thing. So it gets to the point where you don't really need help from the United States government. And I think that's a big part of the problem. It's like a lot of us are sitting back or were sitting back and we were waiting on a Bernie Sanders, right? We were waiting on an AOC and other members from the squad. And then we get disappointed, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I constantly tell people is that when it comes to politics on the federal level, they do not push anything that does not have corporate interest because there's no money in pushing issues that benefit the people. That's why they don't do anything for us. Even when you look at Barack Obama, when he passed the um, Affordable Care Act, when he passed Obamacare, that actually still had corporate interest. But there's nothing in there's nothing in it for corporations if they pass Medicare for all, if they cancel student loan debt, uh, if they give everybody paid family leave. There's nothing in it for that. And this is what happens when you have two parties that are owned by Wall Street. And so my recommendation to people, especially if you you do want to vote, I think a lot of us are so used to voting in a two party system. I want to remind everyone that Jill Stein was on the ballot in 48 states. So. We need to, if you are going to vote, when it comes to the federal level, I think you need to vote third party or independent. If you cannot do that, you can do it on the local level. And a lot of people may not realize this, but when it comes to third party candidates, they've actually, they actually do pretty, pretty well on the local level as well as socialist candidates. So I think that if you want to see change through electoral politics, you're not going to see it through the two-party system. I think you need to go rogue and you need to support third-party independent candidates or you need to do it through the local level. So I live in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm fortunate I live in a state that is a ballot initiative state. So we've passed things here in Massachusetts that other states in this country are still waiting on. Like we passed $15 minimum wage years ago. Uh, we passed legalization for marijuana a couple of years ago. Uh, we had ranked choice voting on the ballot that did not pass, but I think I could see that coming around again sometime, hopefully in the future. But the idea is that people who are not in a BI state, the states that surround Massachusetts, they now have pressure on them to pass those laws as well. And it works really well here. So when we legalized marijuana, so did Connecticut, then uh, Vermont, Maine, for whatever reason, New Hampshire, uh has not. I don't know what that's all about, but it puts pressure on the surrounding states, right? So this is why I, I did a whole panel called Ballot Initiatives Panel, because I want people to understand that there are other ways that we can get this done. Now, I have questions too, because I notice a lot of commentators per se are focusing on politics on the federal level, but yet we have some of these commentators with larger channels 
they're in New York and New York state is trying to pass the people they're trying to pass the New York health act. And that actually stands a chance of passing. When we want to talk about who gets universal health care in this country, they're probably going to get it first. And with that, that plan that they have there, if you live in New Jersey and Connecticut, but you work in New York, you get it too. But I don't hear any of them talking about it. So th- this is the thing to me. It's like, why am I talking about it on my show? And I don't even live there. But we have commentators. You have majority report. They're in New York. Why are they not talking about this? So that's how I know the people who are serious about it and the people who are just, this is just a part of their brand. And I think people need to just remove that from like, stop and think about that for a second. How many people want you to vote for these progressive politicians and put them through the Democratic Party? Even after everything has happened currently, they're still trying to get you to vote for progressives and put them through the Democratic Party. And how many of them have that as their brand? So I think that's something that people should pay close attention to. But to answer your question, sure, I went on there for a long time, but I think we need to pay attention to what the Black Panthers did and we need to focus on helping people within our community. And we have more technology to do even, I think, to spread it even further than what they did back then. You keyed in on on an essential uh, first step, which is mutual aid. Um, the politics, the way I see it, is a um, tertiary step maybe third, maybe even fourth in the uh, organization level. Since most people aren't interested in politics, we cannot, we cannot organize most people by trying to get them interested in politics. We have to go and get them where they are, which is real life. And the mutual aid addresses that directly. There are other things that address that directly, like unions, but unions are old. Unions are weak. Uh Oh, Derek, I think we, I mean, you're still here, but I think we lost your sound. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just me. Can you guys still hear Derek? Someone tell me in the chat. Derek, I think you might've cut out. So sorry. Sorry. I'm going to go ahead and go on to the next two callers. I can always come back. Okay, Jacob, you're the next caller. Hey, Sab, can you hear me? Yes. Hey. So I really agree with what Derek was saying. And I'm so glad he got a chance to speak because he's just so well-spoken. My God, that guy, did he hear his voice? I know. He has like a radio voice. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I was just like listening like, oh, my gosh, this guy is saying everything. Like, I would be pissed off if he was just a politician guy. But the fact he was saying everything I would like him to say, I'm just like, oh, yeah. So, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, like... What he's talking about, I think, is um, a different kind of thing. Like what Jill Stein said in 2016, we don't need a, po- um, a party. We need a coalition. Um, and we need to start individual coalitions. And can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. 
it's uh, really coming down. It's starting to storm here where I'm at. Um, yeah, so I took Jill Stein's word. You know, I elected her, um, selected her, rather, for my president in 2016. I, I, as you know from my previous, what I've said, you know, I'm against, uh, you know, voting for my leader. I'm, I'm just for choosing my leader and, and selecting my leader. So Jill Stein was, was who I selected as my leader and my president in 2016. And she said, we need coalitions. Um, and I really took that to heart. And so that's, that's why I wanted to present something like the one earth nation. Uh, so, you know, if we have something where it's a identifiable across the spectrum of politics where people can see uh, commonality, where it's not a left-right binary thing, and we're just agreeing upon some sort of uh, ethical narrative. I think it's much more of a valid way forward than any sort of binary dichotomy that we've been kind of pushed towards as far as left-right, Democrat, Republican kind of thing. Um, so, and the great thing about that is, is there's many people of, of higher class who are born into wealth who are hundred percent for that. Um, but they don't have a party for that. They don't have a, a way to actually manifest that because they're caught up in the left, right thing too, or the Democrat Republic thing too. Um, and that's the biggest issue here is that we don't have anything to connect the classes. Uh, we don't have anything to connect the classes ac across uh, ethical lines uh, because that really cuts through everything. Whenever you have a common morality of, say, non-exploitation, non-usury, well, a lot of people, upper class and lower class, would agree that usury is wrong uh, and, and could unite around something. Um, that didn't have a class or didn't have a left or right or bipartisanship identity. They could unite around something that was just simply anti-usury or non-usurious or non-exploitation. So I think the next stage is really just to present something that actually makes sense on that level and make it to where it's infallible, to where people can't uh, subvert it and turn it into something wrong because it's just too infallible based on its own paradigm. And I think that's the important thing is that what Derek was saying is that we have to have something that can't be, can't be um, circumvented and um, subverted and turned into something and co-opted and turned and, and turn it into something wrong because it's just too impenetrable. And if we have something that's, that's just, uh, too simple and too like non-binary and 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 just is is ethical then we have something but we can't have that something if it's not something that's presented and something that's not gaining momentum so that's where i got the idea of the one earth nation because it's it's something where i really feel that anybody listening if you're rich or poor doesn't matter or different race doesn't matter it's something everybody can identify with and and you know a lot of rich people are miserable 
we all know this. A lot of people with a lot of money and privilege and this and this and that, they're it's not like they're just joy, joyous people. They're they're miserable and they they inflict that misery onto us. It's not like it's not like people with fame and all this stuff are just the happiest people. So we have to present something to them that actually makes sense to them and that actually can get them out of that. Something that's appealing to all, not just to the lower class. That's a good point. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, well said. And, and you're right. I'm glad you brought up the fact that it's just because people are rich doesn't mean that they're really happy. In fact, like I knew it's really interesting, like wealthy people that I knew. So like I went to school with um, there were some wealthy people that went to school with me um, and man, they had some miserable lives. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like you would never think that though. Right. Like, but you never they think really, it. yeah. Like they were just not happy people. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I thought I had, <laughs> you know, man, I thought I had a rough, like here I am, like I'm in college, but like I had to take out student loans to like help pay for some of my college. And like their parents had money. They paid for everything. They had brand new cars. They, Parents were buying the, bought them a house while we were in college and stuff. And I'm like, man, these people are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Suffering is across the whole span because we don't, we're not in our spiritual where we're supposed to be as a, as a humanity. So as I know that a lot of people, a lot of leftists will roll their eyes at that and say, you know, this person, whatever, but I am, you know, coming from somebody who's lower middle class, working class that has turned where I'm at now to where I'm like living out my vehicle, you can't say I'm like liberal person. So you can no longer say that the people saying this are just like naive. I know that those with more wealth and with more privilege aren't just in a perfect life. And I know a lot of their misery is projected on they're jealous of a lot of the poor people who ha, who they want the poor people to suffer like all the uh, like they did work so hard everything else you know because they don't want people to just live on little and be happy because they themselves have struggled and all this and they have all this and they're miserable so they want us misery and enjoys company they they're not really happy and and the thing about that is that is a that's a niche that we don't that a lot of the left doesn't understand and doesn't know how to really navigate to our benefit because if we did we would already won. Mm -hmm. We would. That's a good won. point. Yeah, that's a good point. We All would right, already had we would already had our paradise painted out. And the whole analysis, and they would have already understood this is the right way. And they would have, maybe not all of them, but some of them would have went with it already. And we don't have that. We have this eat the rich. You know, and I've, I've expressed that because I'm resentful. Because I'm like all the other leftists, like really resentful. But at the same time, I have this part of me, it's like, I know they're not really happy. And this idea I had for One Earth Nation was this idea of not a class thing or not like whatever. But just the principle of non-exploitation. Because if we can all rally around the idea of non-usury, non-exploitation, then we can really build something that's non-partisan. You know, and it, and it doesn't have to be perfect. But as long as we have that as the baseline, what the fuck? 
What are we doing? Non-exploitation is the moral baseline of anything. Should be the moral baseline of anything. Left, right, center, anything. Mm. Good points. Um, I'm going to go to the next caller, but thanks so much, Jacob. Thank you. All right, Lance, um, you've spoken, so I'm actually going to go to Peter first. So, Peter, you're on the mic, and Lance, you'll be the last uh, caller. Oh, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Nice to meet you. Same here. Uh, hey, I uh, I was trying to plug my show for tomorrow, which is called The Judicial White Privilege, The People's History of uh, American Jurisprudence. Uh, uh, I... I was uh, quite taken by the title of uh, your episode today because uh, one of the things I have to overcome to, you know, lecture people about judicial white privilege is the white people. You know, they will say, well, you know, I already sense this a lot of uh, defensive postures every time I brought this topic up. But it actually relates back to what uh, the previous caller has said, including this Tucker Carlson's show, with uh, this guy, Chris Small, on. I do see a universal grievances against the United States government, both from the left and the right. One of the things I want to explain to my white Americans is that the judicial white privilege, it is a critical theory, but it's not a critical race theory, meaning that the problem is not about being white. The problem is about privilege, because this country, this government has been ruined. This country has been ruined by the government run by a very few privileged people, you know, including AOC. And uh, I, you know, even though I've been promoting this uh, judicial white privilege theory to explain the NYC subway shootings and uh, uh, the black rage and all that, I also is in conversation with a with a, a man who is a member of uh, the sons of the Confederate soldiers, uh, which you you guys may know. It's uh, considered probably to be a you know white supremacy group. Uh, I have sensed just you know a tremendous anger towards uh, the government also because they just believe the government is completely taking over the people's lives and the liberties and everything. So so anyway, I just do believe that uh, there is a fantastic opportunity to awake, enlighten the, the, the people, basically, saying our government should not be run by a few privileges uh, that has been the case since the founding of this country. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, what uh, Tucker Carlson did give us some uh, kind of uh, suggestions that this is something doable. And, uh, you know, uh, so in addition to that, you know, I'll be happy. I am, t- uh, I, I still believe Tucker Carlson is a quite a poisonous, uh, opinion leader, uh, on the airway. And uh, I always wanted to team up with someone to do something like, uh, like a, like, like, like a podcast called, uh, Untucker tonight. Uh, literally just, you know, uh, diffuse some of his, uh, poisonous, Stuff basically, you know. For example, uh, this guy, uh, this lady, Amy Wax, who is a University of Pennsylvania law professor, who just came up, you know, 
saying that uh, she does not understand. She's a very smart lady. She she has a law degree. She's a law professor. She is also an MD, a medical doctor degree. So anyway, she's she is basically say accusing non-Western people, black people, Asian people, uh, holding a tremendous resentment and jealousy, I guess, against the Western people. And she's the one advocating we should limit uh, immigration from Asia because uh, she she believed the people from India, uh, after being so successful in America, continue to criticize the uh, you know the 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 inequality in this country. So, but anyway, I just hope someone can step up and do a show like Ben Tucker tonight. And I'll be happy to team up uh, with whoever will be interested in doing that. So that's my comment. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks so much, Peter. I'm going to go ahead and take Lance, who will be the last uh, caller. Time goes by so fast on the show, you guys. Like, I just realized, like, this never happens when I'm streaming on YouTube, by the way. When I'm streaming on YouTube, like, 90 minutes seems like it takes forever. But on call-in, like, I'm looking at the time. It's already, like, 1030. So we've already been on for, like, two and a half hours. I don't know where the time goes when uh, it comes to this app. But, uh, Lance, you're next. Amazing. Uh, Great comment, Peter. And Jacob makes really great points. I had to chime in, the reason I called back in. I'll talk about your dad, military dad. My dad was a Marine, toughening us up, but he also was a gardener. He never had huge gardens, but first of all, the chives. I've already been clipping chives up here in the northeast, cold part, cold part of the country, uh, and uh, been already clipping chives for a couple of weeks. I'm just putting in seeds into the ground, you know, even up here in the frigid northeast, uh, and I've also got to get some seeds germinating so I can plant them on Memorial Day. But, yeah, I'm big time into gardening. And I noticed you had that on your YouTube, and that's that's great. I'm really into that, you know. It's great. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, no, I was going to say, my, my mother-in-law actually uh, gardens as well. And, like, she sometimes she'll have, like, way too many vegetables, so she'll give some to us. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be doing that. And I live out in the country. I'll, maybe I'll put them out with a little box and have people put money in it, you know, and take what they want. You could trust people out here, believe it or not. There's a place down the road that does that. You put the money in a little box. It doesn't lock. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe I'll make a couple dollars. But, you know, I'm not that anti-capitalist, but probably not. I'll just get as much of it as I can away. But I'm going to grow a lot. I'm going to have more than I know what to do with. But I have a dehydrator, and I'm going to try to – I got some canning jars, so I'll try to do some of that. But, um, yeah, but to reiterate something you said before about local, we're getting killed by Republicans. The Koch brothers are actually funding, like, school board races and just very, very local stuff. And – also on like abortion. When you look at NARAL and all that, they're only talking about SCOTUS and, you know, and landing and raising and talking at the federal level. You got to get Congress to codify Roe v. Wade at the national level and issue after issue after issue. We're getting killed. Go all the way back to Obama when they lost those thousand state and local seats. You know, see, uh, we didn't get them back. The left. And we're getting killed on the local level, like you said. That's, that's a huge thing nobody's talking about, that they're taking over, whether it's, you know, just the uh, voting rights and all that. And you mentioned New York. We have some of the worst. We have some of the worst uh, ballot access and trying to, uh, you know, in terms of voting and registration and all the rest. New York's horrible on that. But it's late, and I know I'm the last caller, but I'll, I guess, stop there and get your comment. Yeah, I just I I really want to encourage people to I know we have been conditioned to focus on politics on the federal level 
And I really want to challenge all of you to maybe switch your focus a little bit and focus on politics on the local level, because that's really where you're going to create change when it comes to politics. And all of you listening, like you can run for city council. Again, it's it's not a paid position, at least it's not in my state, uh, but you can run for city council. City council controls the budget. Uh, there's mayor elections. Uh, obviously, there's governor as well, but there's other positions that are in the local um, when it comes to local politics that actually can make a big difference in your area, in your state. And I I wish more people would pay more attention to that, whether you live in a ballot initiative state or not. Um, But the key, the key point that I want to drive home from this conversation is that I think we need to talk to as many people as possible, whether they're on the right or they're on the left or they're in the middle, or they don't have any political ideology whatsoever. Um, I'm pretty sure that if Dr. King were alive today, I'm pretty sure he would want us to talk to as many people as possible. He wouldn't want us to just talk to people in our little bubble. So that's how you create movements. That's how you can create some type of change on a national level. I would really like to see people rise up in this country the same way that they did after the George Floyd uh, murder. I would like to see people rise up in this country to those same levels, but this time for like a list of demands, Medicare for all, uh, cancel student loan debt, paid family leave. Like it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to, to see someone being, uh, brutally murdered on a video to get people to get out in the streets. And I, I think that we really need to push people. And, and this is going to mean, and for people who may not agree with this, this is going to mean talking to people on the right who may not agree with you on every political issue, but when it comes to the class issue, when it comes to Medicare for all, when you realize that both sides, both of, both of us are being screwed by big pharma and by the government, we all need to come together and rise up. That's what they don't want to happen. That's why they keep us divided with even with the media. That's why you have liberal media and you have conservative media. That's what they do not want to happen. They want to keep us fighting amongst each other over left versus right. So again, thank you to everyone who called in. It is 1035. I really enjoyed hearing from all of you. Um, I'll be back on my YouTube show uh, Monday night. I have a lot to say. Uh, Should be a pretty good uh, show. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm going to try to do more call-in shows like Just On Call-In. I apologize to the people who had to struggle with me trying to pair that on YouTube the other night. (laughs) Oh man, I I think I figured it out. I had some, some settings that were not set right, but um, anywho, uh, thanks so much guys. I'm going to go ahead and end this segment of Savvy Sav's podcast on call-in. Thank you.